0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: What are you talking about? No,
2: it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more! That's it! One more! Get it around! No! They show your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for Where's the
0: oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this-, this is the Sports Loudmouth. Yeah. Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty. You're not even a has-been. Here it never
3: was! Here it never was! Welcome, welcome, welcome to a new show of the Sports Loud As you know, I'm Meryl Marks, my co host, Speedy Petey. 631 672 3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what's going on, man? I haven't spoken to you really all weekend. What were you doing all weekend?
1: Uh, Really just just hanging out, getting some stuff done. My cousins actually had something in the morning, so I didn't end up going there after all. I'm going to probably be heading there next weekend, uh, 4th of July weekend. They always do something cool over there. Uh, I'll probably be heading over there. I was just mainly just chilling, working, whatever. Well, it's not next weekend. It's this weekend. (laughs) Or this weekend, yeah. That's right. (laughs) You keep forgetting that 4th of July is Monday. Yeah.
3: By the way, Happy Fourth of July to everybody. We'll say that on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite time of the year. I'll be working on Fourth of July, so I'll be DJing uh, and really just uh, relaxing in the sun, watching all the fireworks and just just an absolute greatness
1: mm-hmm. of the holiday. I love the fireworks. Uh, well, I know a lot of people don't, but
3: it I... is. It's a great holiday. It's, yeah. it's something to definitely check out if you've never experienced the fireworks.
1: Well, I hope you've experienced the fireworks yeah, Fourth so, of July, too, yeah.
3: unless unless you're from England or something
1: like that. Well, they, yeah, they have their own variations of it too. I don't know. Do, do they have Fourth of July over there? Already? I'm not sure about England specifically, In but Europe? I know there's I know there's other countries that have fireworks for their Independence Day. Yes, but it's not it's not. Fourth I'm not of July sure about it no. It's not Fourth of no. July exactly, but it's their equivalent, whatever that
3: is. Yes, as Snug says, it will be great. It's going to be great. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, we got a great show lined up for you guys at 9:30. We'll be talking to Golden Knights goaltending prospect. Dylan Ferguson. He'll be joining us. He hasn't been on the show for a while. We'll see where he's at over there uh, with the Golden Knights. Uh, At 11 o'clock, we'll be talking to former 49ers, Packers, and Broncos linebacker, uh, Dyrell Briggs. So he'll be joining us. He was on the show a couple of months, well, a couple of years ago too. So Dyrell, who we were actually going to work with him. We were going to do some things uh, for autism with him in the past. Uh, He's been very, very busy, and and we'll definitely see what he's been doing since the last time we spoke to him. Uh, We will get into the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup, four games to two against the champion Tampa Bay Lightning. So they are knocked off the horse. So uh, we'll see what happens next year. As everything was posted over the last couple of days that they have been dealing with so many injuries. So there is the excuses for the Tampa Bay Lightning going into the offseason as they had five You really... Um, unique injuries to all their top players. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. They still
1: had more men on the ice than that. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Uh, Kyrie Irvin opts into his $36.5 million option with the Nets. No Lakers, but uh, there is talks that there could be a trade before the season starts. So it's going to be very interesting. And I think he opted into the contract because of the whole KD thing and how pissed off KD has been in the last couple of days being that he opted into the contract as soon as the season was over so it's going to be a very very interesting uh, seeing where this is going to escalate into. So uh, Terry McLaren uh, signs a three-year deal worth about uh, $23.5 million a year, $53 million guarantee, up to $71 million. Uh, McLaren, who has been fighting and arguing with the, the, the Washington commanders that he deserves as big a contract as some of these wide receivers. As we know, uh, Christian Kirk got that <laughs> huge contract by the Jacksonville Jaguars early uh, in the uh, offseason. And so uh, he absolutely set the chain of the events of Tyree kill and everything that happened with uh, obviously Adams and now Terry McLaren and and Debo Samuel is he's still reporting to Sa- San Francisco's. Uh, I guess, mandatory OTA, you know uh, OTAs or whatever the heck it is, mandatory uh, stuff that they have to do in the offseason, and he still doesn't have a contract. So I have to give Debo Samuels a lot of credit because he he could, if I was Debo Samuels and I see all these contracts going, to all these other wide receivers, which I'm probably better than, except Adams, I think he's better than Tyreek Hill. I, I think he's better than McLaren. And it's it's crazy that this guy still doesn't have a contract with the 49ers. So uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Max Scherzer. And Tyler McGill uh, have setbacks. Does this uh, does this set up a possible trade for the New York Mets uh, at the trade deadline for starting pitching uh, pitcher or pitching uh, or pitchers? So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. NBA free agency trade rumors. Jalen Brunson, Bradley Beal, and DeAndre Ayton. All players that are be talked about being either signing with other teams or being traded, uh, so it'll be very interesting. Jalen Brunson actually can uh, he is right now a restricted free agent, so obviously the Knicks are very interested in Jalen Brunson. It seems like uh, the sources are saying that they're the lead team to get him because nobody is going to give him a max contract right. and, and, except and even Dallas, who uh, where he had that fantastic. Off, you know, playoff run and what he did. I think he averaged 21 and a half points a game throughout the playoffs. Um, He's probably not getting a max deal with them. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show as well. Um, Actually, we'll get into that probably first with the Kyrie Irving saga. So why don't we get into that? Uh, Because I really wanted to get into the Kyrie Irving thing because all weekend, this has been back and forth. And. Kyrie Irving, right now, he was he was in in the city. He was people were following him, and he was you know asking him questions. Is is he going to opt out? Is he going to go to free agency? Is he going to opt into his thirty six and a half million dollar contract with the Nets? Uh, what does KD think? Uh, and then obviously throughout the weekend, the Nets gave him the option to go out and field trade talks with other teams and. And and try to find a, a suitor for him where he could be traded to, where they can get obviously pieces or you know a structure bunch of a bunch of trades so they can get what they what they want for Kyrie Irving. But within 24 hours ago, Kyrie Irving opted into his contract. The questions are really starting to send not only through the newspapers, but for all these analysts that are talking about this is is this going to Mean anything before the season starts, and and I I, I think Kyrie Irving is still going to be looking for a trade from the, from the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think he he believes that the Brooklyn Nets are the team for him. Uh, everything that we've seen in the last couple of years, uh, uh, you know the the whole I guess bus thing, the whole COVID thing, uh, disappearing in certain aspects. Uh, uh, for the team practices and all the other things that we've heard with Kyrie Irvin and some of the players don't like him not only in the locker room but even the fans the, the fans have said some nasty things about him all over social media too so it's interesting when you think of Kyrie Irvin what do you think of him how do you how do you compare his you know his his game to his personality and his personality is very unique. As everybody knows, he thinks the earth is flat. Uh, he thinks a lot of unique things. Even some of the stuff that he has said over the years about women and, and all the crazy things that he's come out with. And And I give him a lot of respect as a basketball player because there's there's nobody like him in the NBA. And Allen Iverson says it the best. Is Allen Iverson says... A lot of people think that Allen Iverson is the greatest ball handler we've ever seen in NBA history. Well, Allen Iverson has come out and said multiple times that Kyrie Irvin is the best ball handler he's ever seen. So we we know his skill. We know what he's capable of doing on the court. He's a great shooter. He's a great playoff player. Even the playoffs that he had this year, was it a sensational playoff run for the first round of the playoffs? And especially defensively, he looked horrible. But I, I think he averaged about 21, 22 points in the playoff game. So he is a good playoff player. The thing is, With Kyrie Irving is, you don't know what he's going to say on and off the court. He's a walking time bomb. And with the coaches that he's pushed out from all the different teams and all the different Relationships that he's had on and off the courts with players, uh, you you've heard the stories about him and Kobe Bryant, how close they were uh, after they played one on one for the USA team. It's it's so interesting about who he is as a player, and if you know his, his story as an as an NCAA player, he he played a couple of games for the Duke Blue Devils. He hurt his foot and he was out for the rest of the season. He never even had the the chance to experience uh, playing as an NCAA basketball player because. I uh, he, he couldn't stay healthy. And this has been his career, really, for, since the Cleveland Cavaliers. The man just can't stay healthy. Now, when he does play on the court, he's a sensational player. He's Uncle Drew, man. He is what you expect an NBA superstar player to be. But the guy has only won one championship. He played with LeBron when he did win that championship. And I think, Speedy, the best fit that he possibly can fit in with, with all the teams that we've said, I think the best chance... That he has somewhere to go to where it makes sense is the Mavericks. We said that last week. But I think the team that would control him and actually set him straight where he can move on a straight, I guess, whatever you want to call it, it would be the Lakers because LeBron James is there, and I think LeBron James could control him.
1: Well, yeah, the, the thing is Kyrie has never been the one guy that has done well in terms of success just on his own. Remember when before LeBron came back to Cleveland, they had a lot of losing seasons in his first couple of years there. And since LeBron left, he has been bumped around different teams. The Celtics, he was good for the one year, but then he got hurt. The Celtics played better in the playoffs without him. So I think either staying with the Nets like he have been doing or going with the Lakers probably are the only two likely scenarios just because of that to happen. And the Lakers, they're definitely still going to cater to what LeBron wants. Now, LeBron definitely says... LeBron has said he definitely doesn't want to take that kind of extension. But again, maybe they go for one last hurrah in L.A., LeBron and Kyrie. Now, the Lakers, interestingly enough, also extended Russell... or had Russell Westbrook opt into his team option, so they're probably gonna have, they're definitely gonna have to move him again if they if they want to get trade for Kyrie because he's got forty seven million dollars and Kyrie has now the thirty six point five that he's he just got on his option, so they're going to have to make that work. But I think they're still gonna be persistent to do that. It just seems like all those other teams that were listed in the trade rumors. Realize that maybe Kyrie isn't a guy that can. Nobody be a-
3: wants to give him a super max contract. Yeah. Nobody wants to pay him two. Well, the, Net, the Nets are the only team that could pay right. him over two hundred and fifty million. He wants to be the highest paid player in NBA history. The Nets did not want to give him that contract. And by the way, Jeff says no. There's nobody like him. There's literally a hundred other players like him. No, there isn't a hundred players like him. Kyrie Irving is the best ball hand- handler in the NBA, and he could do a lot of things that other players can't do. Now, obviously, Steph Curry, the elite point guards in this league can compete with him, John Moran. But what he does on the court when he does play is he's a sensational basketball player and he knows how to win. He has won before. He has been the center. He's been the center stage or the centerpiece of an offensive team to win a championship like he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. The question is, are you willing to give up prospects or draft stock to land a player of this magnitude? Now, I, I don't believe, and stop mentioning Marcus Smart, okay? Because to me, Marcus Smart was a great, de- he's a great defensive player. He's not a two-way player, Jeff. So stop trying to compare Marcus Smart to Kyrie Irving. Because if you put, you ask anybody in a room right now, who would you rather, Marcus Smart or Kyrie Irving? I I would think nine out of ten people would probably pick Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is, is one of the elite top five point guards in the NBA. Marcus Smart is
1: not. And never has been. Yes, he might be the he's best not. defensive point guard. He's never been the best all around. And to say your question about 100 different point guards, there's really not a lot of great ones in this league right now. Because there's a lot about of,
3: five elite ones. Right,
1: because a lot of the older ones we thought of as the best in the league at certain points have all fallen off for different reasons. We talk about Russell Westbrook now with the $47 million. Even somebody like Damian Lillard, like two years ago, both of us said that he was the best point guard in the league, but he had a bad year last yeah, year. Yeah, terrible year. Yeah, so. I, mean, I would still put him in my elite. I mean, he's probably still right on. He would be
3: five. I I would say, this is where I would go. I I would say, not in this order, I would say Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, John Morant and Damian Lillard. Those would be my top five guys.
1: All right. That's fair. But nevertheless, we're seeing now a lot of these wings that can handle the ball and play in a point guard type role, shooting guards, guys like Donovan Mitchell playing in a point guard type role in certain instances. And that's the wave of the league. Now it's becoming a positionless NBA. If you have versatility and can shoot and, that's why a lot of these a lot of these backcourt dynasties like the Warriors. Now, granted, they won this year, but that kind of thing isn't going to work everywhere else. And that's where a team like the Nets kind of fell behind because they decided to go on that trend. And they did it just a little too late. And then they tried James Harden again. That didn't work. They, him and Kyrie Irving didn't get along. Which was funny. Why the James Harden's not a point guard. He is a two guard. I That's know. what
3: he is. The fact that, obviously, over the last couple of years with the Rockets, he played the point guard position. And yeah. Yes, he was a triple-double machine. So was Russell Westbrook. But these guys are twos. They're not... And I would say that about Steph Curry, too. But Steph Curry has proven me wrong the last past two years because he's become more of a passer. So... Because he's transitioned into that NBA prototypical uh, point guard, I would say Steph Curry is a point guard now. The last two years, he's proven that he can pass the ball just as much as he can shoot. So he's right there, prototypically uh, a point guard, but he's not a good defensive player. So again, stop mentioning Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is not an elite point guard in this league. No, he's not. Okay, he, he was never an elite point guard. Even when he came into the NBA where everybody thought being that he was from Italy, he was going to be a top end prospect point guard. He's never transitioned no. into that player. No. Okay? Even the years that he was with the Timberwolves and he's jumped he's jumped ship into so many different spots, he's never been elite. I remember when he wanted to be a Nick Thank God the Knicks didn't bring him. Yeah, no, quickly any... <laughs> is
1: not better than Kyrie either. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he was ever more than probably a top 12 at any point in his career, which is not elite. Now, granted, the competition was a lot better. There were a lot better point guards back then than there are now, but still, nevertheless... It, it he was never he was always a good fundamentally sound passer and like good like leader with the players but he was never a defender he was never a shooter like <laughs> Ricky Rubio was not an elite point guard by any means but he, going back to Kyrie that's what makes his market so interesting with it, whether the Nets pay him or the Lakers. And that's where the problem lies of him wanting this massive contract. He's not getting traded. He's not. I don't think he's getting traded anymore either. But also, he's not going to get that money if a team does not trust him to be that surefire, number one value that could take a team to the next level. Because... He's been playing with LeBron and Kevin Durant, and when he wasn't, they weren't very good. And these other teams are seeing that. Miami just did just fine. Went to the Eastern Conference Finals without that kind of thing. Dallas went to the Western Conference Finals, knocked off a sixty-six win Phoenix Suns team without him. So I think they maybe had that in mind when saying to not trade for him initially. He's not a transcending type of player. He's uh, not. He's right. a, he doesn't change a team when he goes there.
3: Chris Paul changes teams. When he went to OKC, he changed the team. When he went to the Clippers, he changed the team team. Everywhere he has gone, even when he went to the Rockets, he changed the team. And now with the Phoenix Suns, look at what the Phoenix Suns become. Now even though they lost DeAndre Ayton and they're probably going to lose him this offseason, I I still think they're going to be one of the top teams in the Western Conference. They're going to have to add another big man, but they'll have money because they're not going to be paying DeAndre Ayton. So I I think that they're still going to be, he's still an elite point guard and he definitely changes the the way that team plays and the the way that team plays defensively. So I, I still think Kyrie Irvin's not that type of player, and that's why there's only like three point guards in the league that changes a team like that. And right. and, and really it would be – I wouldn't even say Steph Curry. He doesn't change the team in a two-way basketball. He really doesn't. But he does make the Golden State Warriors that much better. So I guess you could put him there. I would say, I would say Steph, Chris Paul, and it was Dame Lillard, but Dame Lillard yeah. has not been that player last, last year. So John ja Morant. Those are the only three players right now that if you put them on any other team, they can change the way that team plays offensively, defensively. John Moran is becoming slowly but surely the best point guard in the league, and I think <laughs> he will probably in another year, he will be the best point guard in the league. and Maybe one of the top three, top four players in the league. So, And you saw that against the Golden State Warriors before he hurt his knee. He, he absolutely changed that series and made that series look like it was a lot
1: closer than it really should have been. So, and He's already good at the playoffs, too, both yeah. even last year or 2 when they beat the Spurs in the play-in game before they lost that heartbreaker uh, in the in the round before or they lost no they got in and they lost against Utah. He was actually playing well. It was the rest of the team around in the din and he also led the playoffs before they got eliminated at, at that point in cl- uh, crunch time baskets, points per game in the last five minutes, which shows that he's not nervous about anything. He's not rattled by that pressure, even overcoming trying to be that next level point guard in today's NBA. Because think about the last, I would say, even seven years worth of point guard drafts he might be the lone guy representing those young group of point guards. All these other young players that are emerged are wings that can ball handle and shoot and can emerge into point guards.
3: Well, why don't we go into the NBA free agency and, and, and the three names that are st- so far, well, there's really five names that are popping up because Levine is still out there. I think he's going somewhere. Some people say the Lakers. Dallas is a, a up-and-coming team that looks like is looking for another superstar because Zach Levine's going to be up there with one of those teams. So yep. uh, I would put him in the, on this list too. There are four players that really stand out that are going to be free this offseason that could be. Moving to other teams, Zach Levine, one of them from the Chicago Bulls, Jalen Brunson, whoever is is locking the Knicks. The sources are locking the Knicks as the front run front running team to get him. So uh, Jalen Brunson, who they the Knicks in the middle of a season hired their father to be somewhat of a scout, uh, and now now there's talks that Brunson is the, the Knicks are the lead source to get him. So um, Jalen Brunson from the Dallas Mavericks, who are not giving him a max contract, Bradley Beal. I did not opt into his final year contract. So he is an unrestricted free agent this offseason. So where does Bradley Beal go? Uh, there's a lot of teams that would be looking for a great three-point, great all-around offensive player like this, who's a pretty good wing defender as well. So uh, Bradley Beal is, is a hot commodity where there are teams that have salary room, maybe the Boston, Boston Celtics. I know. I know Jeff would be jumping for joy if that oh, happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Bradley Beal's out there, and also DeAndre Ayton, who a lot of people think he's going to Detroit. Uh, they're very much linked to DeAndre Ayton after adding uh, Jaden um, Ivy, Jade and Ivy in the uh, in the draft. Uh, at number 5, a lot of people think that they're just missing a big man, and this team is up-and-coming, a young up-and-coming team, with with Cade, who was the number 1 pick last year, uh, th- last year, and now bringing in arguably the best player in this year's draft, who fell to 5 when some people thought he was a top-three uh, prospect. So, um, if the, the thing is with Jalen Brunson, and I, I know a lot of Knicks fans like Jalen Brunson. I'm one of those guys. I think Jalen Brunson could be a good player for the Knicks. I really do believe that. But... To give him a max contract, what he wants, you're you're practically giving a player that had one really great season. He's had two good seasons, but this year has been his his breakout season. He's 26 years old. He's going to be 26 as the season starts. I don't know if I trust a player uh, for one year that he played with. Obviously, Luka Doncic. It was demanding double and triple teams in some aspects of his game because he's a great shooter. He can get into the paint. He can do everything. He's one of the top five players in the league. If you put him with the Knicks, is Jalen Brunson that dominant as he was with you when he was with the Dallas Mavericks? I don't know. I don't know. And So that scares me about a guy like Jalen Brunson. Now, we have a player like Jalen Brunson. We've had a player like Jalen Brunson before. We had Stefan Marbury. He was a guy that played just like Jalen Brunson, an acrobatic player that does everything. He's a better shooter, shooter than Steph, uh, Steph Marbury. I still don't know how much a better of a shooter than he is. And then if you look at all the past point guards that we brought in, how about Steve Francis? Steve Francis was a high-flying, acrobatic, athletic point guard. They called him the franchise. He came to the the Knicks after the Rockets. Everybody thought he was going to fit very well. He was a bust. A bust. They paid him. He was a bust player. And now you're you're talking about the you know the different guys that we've brought in from different organizations. You know, in the primes of their career, and they just. Couldn't. The only, the last point guard that was successful was a guy that came off the scrap heap, Linsanity. Yep. He was the guy. <laughs> For 11 games, he just stole the show. I don't know
1: what Jalen Brunson's going to do in New York with all the pressures on him to win. There's another rumor that's been coming out recently, too, is that the Spurs have also dangled their young point guard, DeJounte Murray, as well, who was a 21 8 9 guy last year. Uh, and kind of like Brunson really only started to emerge the last two years, but again, he didn't really have that luxury of getting to play with these other top players like Jalen Brunson did too. So that's another one to watch out for if they lose out on the Jalen Brunson sweep. It's not obviously they have to trade something to get him, but the Spurs from what I've heard are interested in Julius Randle If the Knicks uh, are, if the Knicks are offering something else too, I think was the, was the package and they might not have to, Trade as much. Now, obviously, they probably want to save those young players as well for Donovan Mitchell, but still, DeJounte Murray is another one to watch out for. 25 years old. He had one bad injury in that, I think his second year in the league, but besides that, he's been. Very healthy, very good defensive point guard, too. Led the league in steals per game among point guards. So definitely another guy to watch out for, too, if the trade value falls more and the Knicks don't end up with Donovan Mitchell or Jalen Brunson. And
3: then there's Bradley Beal. And I like Bradley Beal. I think he's a fantastic three-point shooter. He could do everything offensively that you expect a player to do. The problem with Bradley Beal over the last couple of years, he's played for the Washington Bullets or the Washington... Whatever Wizards. the Wizards, I call them the Bullets because that's what yep, they you changed. And, their names.
1: You and you and Charlie
3: Slow sticking by that. Yeah, that's what they are. But um, the interesting thing about the Washington, Washington uh, Wizards is they're a young team, and Bradley Beal knows he's not winning with that team. I, I think he's given up on them, and now he's become an unrestricted free agent. Now the question is, where does he fit? Who's willing to give him a max contract? And then when he does go to that team, how does he work? with the other two stars or the other, the other star that's going to be over there? And how does that define that team to be a top elite team in the NBA? Now, I don't know how many teams have the money that's going to be able to pay Bradley Beal the money that he's going to want. I think the Celtics might. I I think they might be able to give another max contract, but I'm not
1: sure about this year. I think it's once Horford's contract expires, then they might be able to, because he, they took him on at the end of his big contract from the thunder. Then re got him after that. And Miami
3: can't Miami, Miami Uh, definitely can't.
1: None of the big teams could really offer him the money that he wants.
3: Now, if he wants to be a Laker, if he wants to be a Clipper, those teams don't have the money. Now, San Antonio does have the money. Now, would he go to San Antonio to to, to go go over there with uh, uh, maybe another year left to their coach before he decides yeah. to retire? I don't know, and I don't know if they're ready to win right now. If Bradley Beal goes over there, right,
1: it's basically the same situation the Wizards are in right now. Maybe Chicago if Zach
3: Levine leaves, uh, maybe adding a Bradley Beal. Does he? Does, does Bradley Beal make them that much better? Possibly. I know Demar DeRozan and him are very good friends. Maybe him going over there with Chicago and and, uh, now with, obviously, Alonzo Ball actually healthy this year. This team could be a more uh, transitional type of team. I I don't know. I I, I don't know where these guys are going to go, and who's going to pay them the money that they're going to want?
1: financially? Dallas, maybe. Uh, I I was going to say, financially another team that makes sense is Memphis, too, because they don't have any max contracts right now, I think, except for Steven Adams, but they don't even play Steven Adams, so they might even include him in the trade if they wanted to. The rest of that team is really young. They're going to have to pay John Morant this year, but the rest of that team is really young, where they might be able to afford to make a swing for that kind of move, and they have a lot of wing depth where they could play in other positions, too. Dallas is another interesting one, though, too. If they do lose Jalen Brunson, do they uh, have Luka Doncic be more of a ball handler, and then have Beal shoot and vice versa and make that kind of thing work. I could say that.
3: And then there's DeAndre Ayton, which everybody believes, every analyst, everybody and their mother believes – He's going to Detroit. Detroit is a rebuilding team. They're starting to becoming that be, become that up and coming team. We remember when Detroit re- really rebuilt themselves in the 90s when they made that move for obviously Chauncey Billups and they drafted pretty well. Richard Richard Hamilton was there and then they added obviously Wallace and all the different players, and then they made that trade for Rasheed Wallace. Everything started falling together. They built their core, and they drafted a couple of good players, and they really became that stationary team that the NBA wanted to be like. And Larry Brown went over there and and helped them win that back to back championship, and, and that elite team that they became in the Eastern Conference. But I I think they're a lot younger than they've ever been, and I think this team has a tremendous amount of talent, and I think I think moving forward where. Detroit is going. I think Detroit's going to be a force to be reckoned with in an, an Eastern Conference team. That an Eastern Conference team that is definitely going to be able to compete with all the rest. I only think there are only four elite teams in Eastern Conference, and we've named them all: the Celtics, Miami, Milwaukee, and who's the other team that we said, Speedy? Um, the Celtics, Milwaukee, Miami, and Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. Those are the four teams. Everybody else. I mean, it's open. It really is. Now, if Atlanta Atlanta is trying to get that other player to play with, obviously, Young, and and Young is, is an up-and-coming star. He had a bad season this year. He did not play well. And that has a lot to do with teams figuring him out. Double-team him, make other players try to beat him. I mean, Collins and all those other guys couldn't beat anybody this year. And that's why Atlanta was struggling all season long. So... I, I think Atlanta's another team, but they had that other superstar. Uh, what, what is he saying over here? How hilarious is this that the Pistons will be good before the Knicks? How hilarious? When they get the number one pick, the Knicks haven't won the number one pick. When was the last time the Knicks got a number Ewing. one pick? <laughs> Patrick Ewing in 1985. When you. The Pistons, for, for years, have always had top three picks, and that's why they become elite teams. You need that number. That number one pick, and the Knicks just haven't had that luck. So, Jeff, you can make jokes all you want because you think your team is up and coming, but let's see
1: your team do it again this year. Well, before we go to break, uh, just three teams, the Pistons, the Hawks, mm-hmm. and also the Cavs, I would throw in there, too, mm-hmm. have built their team very similar, where they've gotten a lot of the young backcourt players right away, the wing players, and now they can afford to make moves for these big men, and two. And that's why all these just teams are this. in on, on Aiton. Yeah. Uh, Cade, the number one pick.
3: Um Ivy was the number five pick, which everybody thought was a top three pick. Those are two blockbuster young players that you could build your team. And, and they have a couple of top five picks on that team. Okay? A couple of first-round
1: picks that played well for them last year, yeah, too. But City they, they, have,
3: they have a couple of guys that were top five picks in the yeah. last couple of years.
1: And now they just acquired one, too, that was a previous top five pick in Marvin Bagley And as then well. if they
3: get DeAndre Ayton, he was the number yep. one pick. So you're adding another, another youngster to that roster. Yeah, I, I, they're, they're going to be better, and especially with the money that they have and the money that they have to spend. DeAndre Ayton's going to get a max contract, but he's only one. They could actually add another yeah. superstar. Maybe put Bradley Beal and DeAndre Ayton there with the young players like Ivy and Cade there. Forget about it. Detroit could be uh, as elite as an Eastern Conference team could be. They could be from from one of the worst teams in the NBA to one of the best. So that's how quick it could cha- transition into. So, anyways, uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to Golden Knights goaltending prospect Dylan Ferguson back on the show. Looking forward to having him back on here on the Sports Loudmouths.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths.
3: Back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, this is the sports lime You can call us at 631 672 3108 as a number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, the NHL playoffs are over, and if you didn't watch the Avalanche just completely destroy Lord Stanley's Cup the other day. And by the way... (laughs) <laughs> did you see that, Speedy? Did you see what he did? I forget who did it, but they I, he slid on the ice and he landed on the cup and dented the cup. And you,
1: Oh, jeez. Did you see that? No, I actually didn't see that. that it's hilarious. Oh, jeez. I, I saw a post that was pretty funny though. Um, the uh, the avalanche, I, I don't know if it was one of their players or one of their writers that t- tweeted a, a photo of the of the players surrounding the cup and they said, how's this for too many men on the ice?
3: Yeah, well, I, I, I can't wait to get into that with our, our guest now. And we haven't Spoken to him in a while. His Golden Knights didn't have such a great season, but adding a new coach and and with that roster set up very very well next year, adding another piece in Weber, I think they're going to be so dangerous. We are now talking to the Golden Knights goaltending prospect Dylan Ferguson. What's going on,
4: Dill? I'm doing good. Uh, it's good to be back for sure. How are well, you guys?
3: Well, you know, uh, we got a little older. I'm 40 now. I mean, not not your age, that's for sure. You're you're still a, a youngster like Speedy. You're I, how old are you, Dill?
4: um 23 now, 24 uh, in September
3: yeah speedy's going to be 27 i mean you guys are kids so uh, you're up and coming and i can't wait to see you eventually get your call up in the nhl you deserve it and i've been keeping tabs on you over the last couple of last last year i've been keeping tabs on with the whole covid situation but uh you've been uh, slowly but surely growing over there on their farm system their ahl team How you been? I mean, how you feel uh, with the whole COVID situation? Where do you see yourself moving forward uh, with the Golden Knights?
4: Yeah. uh, I mean, obviously right now, I am a RFA. Right now, really just training hard back home, being ready for whatever comes my way. And that's really my focus right now. Just be ready and uh, do the best when I get back there.
3: Mm. As everybody knows, we are talking to Golden Knights goaltending prospect, Dylan Ferguson. So, uh, before we get into everything that's gone on over the last couple of years with you, um, what are you? What are your thoughts to the Golden Knights? They didn't make the they didn't make the playoffs this year. They have a tremendous, talented team from from top to bottom, from the first, second, third, even in the fourth line, very talented. They made it. A tra- they made a trade with for Eichel uh, early in the early in the season. So, what are your thoughts to where this team is going after this really, really shocking season where they didn't make the playoffs?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, all the pieces are there. I think uh, the organization in a whole just had some tough luck with injuries and things like that, and with guys coming in and out and uh, multiple times a year, really, a couple guys just, you know, things lingering across the season, and that that can be tough on a team, especially when you're trying to mold new guys together in a roster, and I think uh, that might have been something that was a bit of adversity for, for the Golden Knights this year, but I think moving forward, they're they're an organization that, makes the most out of adversity so
1: yeah there were also the ones that make a lot of big swings we saw he was talking about Eichel we also saw them make a big splash coaching wise Bruce Cassidy hiring them after he got fired by the Bruins so what were your thoughts with that and were you surprised he got fired and a lot of these coaches are being available
4: yeah I think there's a lot a lot of change going on around the NHL as a whole right now Um, like like you were saying Bruce Cassidy you know Barry Trotz all these big names that are finding new homes and uh, maybe not yet but you know, I think it's a great fit for the organization and Bruce Cassidy. You know, he's a he's a great defensive coach. You look at the way Boston plays; they they don't give a lot and they they make a lot of chances. So that's, I think, something that the roster that Vegas Golden Knights have uh, is going to thrive with. After watching
3: some of these goaltenders play in the playoffs, still you, you watch. Obviously, Shostakin he looked fabulous in the second and third round. Uh, the Rangers went all the way. Uh, as far as they did, nobody would have thought they were going to the Eastern Conference Finals. You have, obviously, Vasilevsky, who has been to back-to-back-to-back to back, to back, uh, Stanley Cup Finals. He's been one of those goaltenders that you really look up to because of the talent that he really uh, brings out there, especially in the big game. And even some of the younger goaltenders that you've seen over the last couple of years grow in position. What what are your thoughts about the goaltending position in the NHL? And what what player, what goaltender really sticks out to you not only this year, but for the last two or three years that that you want to look up to where you see yourself trying to be and match to that that talent?
4: Yeah, no, good question. Um, I think, just to touch on what you said first there, I think the goaltending in the NHL right now is improving every year as other players, and there's always been that uh, battle between figuring out what the goalies are learning and what the players are learning and all these new things coming into the game. Like You see things like the Michigan and these kind of things when they first happen uh, goalies are just lost and don't know what to do or what happened and these kind of things are going to continue to happen as the game keeps growing and you know these these young kids especially coming up into the nhl are super creative you look at a guy like trevor zegers right so um he's doing things that are no one's seen yet and uh we we goalies just try to keep up with that and get any advantage we can um on the other side of that i'm a big vasilevsky fan obviously he's a winner um and that's that's what i look up to you know he's 27 28 years old mm-hmm. and already has two rings and um i personally think he's the best goalie in the world i know he didn't win the best this year but um you know what that guy's done in that organization and um you know his stats and elimination games i don't know if you've seen them but it's like 98 percent save percentage it's ridiculous like mm-hmm. out of this world right so uh he's someone i definitely look up to
1: so a lot has been made recently, especially with the young goalies of the goaltender platoons. Unless you're like a Shostakin or Vasilevsky or Connor Hellebuck or something like that, we've seen a lot of coaches try to load manage those goalies, especially some young ones. Do you think that's a good thing for the goalies, or do you think that's something that they should be playing more often?
4: Um, it's a good question. You know, I think I think there's an open communication between a starting goalie and their uh, the staff around them and the coaching staff. I think. You know, if we want to talk about a guy like Marc Andre Fleury, and um, it's different situation, but like a guy like Robin Leonard, who I know wants to play every single night, and uh, there's just sometimes things get in the way. And um, all those guys in the NHL want to play every night. And a lot of the times it's not the player making the decision, it's the coaching staff.
3: As everybody knows, we are talking to Golden Knights goaltending prospect, Dylan Ferguson. He's been on the show before. We haven't had him on for about a year and a half, but we have him on again. So we're talking a little Golden Knights hockey and some NHL hockey with him. Dale, when, when you look at the league and, and, and the way the league has transitioned into more of a defensive-minded league, re- remember, it went over the last couple of years, they changed the rules. They want to make the game even more faster and, and more goal-scoring. If you watch the playoffs this year, besides the Edmonton-Avalanche series, there wasn't really a lot of goals in a lot of these series. It was more it, the, the league is really trying to transition into that defensive style of game that we remember. I don't know about the trap when the Devils played or the Florida Panthers has played but they they're they're trying to change the game where it's less scoring in the playoffs and uh, do you see it that way or have you seen besides that Edmonton Oilers Avalanche game a series you, you thought you still think the game has become more faster and more offensively sound
4: I think both ends really have and I think you know as series go on um you can look past like historically uh You know, those big games at the end in the Stanley Cup finals and all that are usually low scoring and they're really close games. And it's just the way it's been, you know, what we hear growing up as hockey players is defense creates offense. And I think that's something that's really the message is given, especially when big things are on the line like that. And I think, you know, kind of comparing to what I talked about with goaltending and players in general has the same thing with defense and offense. You're going to have the offensive players trying to learn something new defensive players got to learn how to stop it and transition back to create offense.
1: One of the other trends with goaltending has been the bigger goaltenders are getting a lot more of a chance than we saw the the smaller, more athletic goalies guys like Henrik Lundqvist in the past that really was really came in and grew like that. So do you think that kind of trend will continue or do you see a, a, you see it where the NHL kind of shifts more towards back towards the quicker, more athletic goalies?
4: You know, I think there's a pretty good mix right now. And I think at the end of the day, if you're good enough, you're going to be there. Um, if you keep the puck out of the net, like you look like, look, you look at a guy like UC Saros, who I think is one of probably top five to ten goalies in the league. He's maybe six feet tall. And um, there's there's just guys like that who have this talent and they keep the puck out of the net. And I, at the end of the day, for me, that's, that's all that matters. You know, that's what made...
3: Dominic Kashik and John Van Biesburg, so special. Do- John Van Biesburg, I saw right. him, I saw him at the uh, the draft a couple of years ago. He's, I'm I'm taller than him. He's five foot nine. And this guy was m- mining the pipes all those years as a dominic dominant goalie. took his Florida Panther team. All the way to the Stanley Cup Finals against that Avalanche dominant team, and and obviously lost in four games. But who would have thought that he uh, five foot nine goaltender would have led a team? And he was a dominant force. So goaltenders, and he even told me, goaltending has completely changed in the league. It's become if you're not a six two six three guy, you're not making the not making the NHL unless you're something special. You know, somebody that is just athletically sound, reflexes are unbelievable. He says it's just those guys just don't exist anymore. So when you look at the league and, and now with the different pads that they have, I mean, the gloves are bigger, the body, you know, just everything about the goaltender is bigger. Do you think that makes the goaltender better or does that make the goaltender slower?
4: They actually look bigger because they made our chest protectors and pants smaller, right? which is, it's kind of an interesting one. I kind of like it because I feel like you can move better, but at the same time there's more room in that six hole, you know, under the arms, that kind of thing, kind of right between the gloves. And, Um, when that first happened, it was definitely something I had to get used to change my stance a little bit, but I think overall for me and my experience, it's been, I guess, more, more free range of motion for me is what I like, but at the same time, you got to cover more net. So there's a, I feel like there's a good balance there.
1: So from the last time we had you on to now you've actually played two seasons in the a- AHL with the Knights t- the Golden Knights top affiliate the Henderson Silver Knights you also played a year in Fort Wayne as well. So what are some of the big differences you notice between the AHL, the, I guess the top level of those minor leagues as in comparison to the other leagues you played in?
4: Yeah, I mean so last year was my first full year with Henderson. The year before I was played uh I really only played one or two games and then I got sent down to Fort Wayne and um you know, for me, it's my job is to go in there and stop the puck. You know, I'm not trying to see what teams are doing or certain things like that. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a video guy and I can pick up on players and what they do. But, you know, when I'm in the net, my job is to stop the puck. And I think when I'm, if it's the AHL, the NHL or the East Coast League, obviously players are smarter and have better releases as you go up. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest differences between the league is just general hockey iq and just strength and power um i think those are going to be the three biggest things i guess speed as well of course but um you know you go like the ahl and the nhl are somewhat comparable and then you go to the east coast and they call it the jungle where every you know there's one there's one ref and you know there's <laughs> stuff going on all the time guys are fighting and um i was in there and actually you know led my my team all the way to the kelly cup final and won that that year so it was a uh, that was a Heck of a run and a lot of fun there, and um, grateful for that. And yeah, last year in the AHL was a great time too, aside of a couple injuries.
3: As everybody knows, we're talking to Golden Knights goaltending prospect Dylan Ferguson. So, Dylan, where do you see yourself? I mean, obviously, you're still young. You're 23 years old. You're still growing in the position. Uh, You have a lot of time. Do you see yourself getting that call up one of these days, where uh, you'll get the chance to play in your first NHL game?
4: You know, I. I see myself in the NHL like that's that's my goal that's Mm -hmm. where I want to be right and that's the mindset you know I have and like to have because that that pushes me you know if it's the extra five percent in the gym finishing that three more reps or whatever it is right and um, I'm a big believer in you know visualization stuff so if I if I'm seeing that and that's what I want to be and do um, I feel like I will get there.
1: So I know you were up for the one game we mentioned on your last interview, uh, you were up for the one game in 2018, but uh, besides that, in terms of like a full-time and full-time thing, when you get to Vegas, if you end up getting called up there, is there any one player that you're looking forward to, Like, I guess not necessarily meeting, you might've met them already, but like, getting close to talking to who would that be and why?
4: Yeah. So I was up there for a bit of time for sure this year, just helping out with practice. I backed up a few games this year. Um, you know, they're all great guys. You know, at this point, it's, uh, you know, obviously talking to Lenny and talking to these goalies that have been in the NHL. And, uh, you know, the players players don't really do it for me. You know, it's to me, they're just another guy. But when I look at a guy like uh, Robin Leonard, or the Marc-Andre Fleury's, the last time we talked, I know we brought over that. Um, you know, the first time I was ever on NHL, I had Henrik Lundqvist right beside me on the other side of the red line. You know, things like that are kind of – that's where I get maybe a little starstruck. But I want to learn from these people and, you know, ask them as many questions as I can. Did you know that Robin Leonard is a big snake fan? Oh, yeah. No, this guy, he loves called... <laughs> exotic animals. I know that. Yeah,
3: that's, he's a snake. It's <laughs> awesome. You know, it's so funny because – well, it's not funny. I There was a story that Robin Leonard was going to buy uh, a snake store. For, I forget where, where it was. This guy had all these, like, like crazy snakes. And he was selling it to Robin for for like one point five million, and and then his wife and some man killed him, and uh, he decided not to. Uh, there was talks that he was still thinking about buying the snake store, but uh, I heard that story, and then I found out that Robin actually loves exotic steaks and st- all that stuff. So I, I, I was very surprised when I heard that story. By the way, we you should were, go
1: home and go hang out with Joe Madden. It's
3: crazy. <laughs> dude. It is crazy. As everybody knows, we are talking to Golden Knights goaltending prospect Dylan Ferguson. So, Dylan, you look at all the teams right now in the NHL, and uh, there are a lot of teams that stick out. The Avalanche look like they're an up-and-coming team. This might—this is not the last time we're going to see them in the Stanley Cup. Uh, Edmonton, if they can find themselves a goaltender, maybe you, uh uh, they, they could be an up-and-coming team that could go there every single year with the talent that they have. Uh, there are quite a few teams that stood out to me throughout the playoffs that are missing one or two pieces, and they could be right there every single year. What team, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, is there a particular team out there, if it's not the Las Vegas Golden Knights, is there a team out there that you see yourself sticking, you know, fitting in with that organization?
4: You know, honestly, I haven't even just kind of going back to like the visualization right. thing. Vegas has been home for the last five years, other right. than you know playing in Kamloops, but they've they've been my team, and um right now that's that's where I see myself playing, and that's where my that's a good answer. A that's career. a good
3: answer. I'm not gonna throw him under the bus.
4: He answered the well, question. No, I, I'd tell you if it was. I'd tell you if there was another team. Did you go? Really what,
3: what team did you grow up? Uh, you know, obviously rooting for.
4: Uh. The Vancouver Canucks, because I'm currently in uh, downtown Vancouver right now, actually.
3: Vancouver, I I love. By the way, I love Vancouver. I think it's a beautiful city. It, it. I was there for the draft. I got a chance to sightsee. You know, the water over there is beautiful. Everything is beautiful over there, and it's right over there where you you could drive right down to Seattle and, and experience that. You know, the Seattle area as well. So, I I think it, that's a place I would absolutely move to. But it's so funny over there, and I, I'll say this. Every time I went to a 7-Eleven over there, there, there was people wearing no shoes in the 7-Eleven. I, I would go there, and I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, is this like like a trend over here? You, you don't have to wear shoes in the 7-Eleven? I'm telling you, man. Every time I went to three different, I took an Uber and I went to three different 7-Elevens, and there were there were people, you know, walking in there with no shoes. I mean, have you seen that you before?
4: Grand, you must have been on Granville Street or something.
3: Is something. I don't know what the hell yeah, I was, yeah. but
4: uh, uh, no. I mean, I think just Canada in general is definitely a little more laid back. Yes. Um, than than the United States, um, but that that. I've definitely seen it. Maybe I don't pick up on it because I'm used to it, but I'll. Uh, I'm gonna have to keep an eye out. For that now.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm buying a sandwich when I when I when I uh, obviously got I got there late. I was I was there at like 12 o'clock at night. I before I I got to my hotel. I said, "Could you take me to a 7-Eleven?" He's like, "7-Eleven, yeah, yeah, 7-Eleven." <laughs> I go to a 7-Eleven and a guy, two guys, one guy standing outside dancing around in front of the 7-Eleven. He's wearing no shoes. His pants rolled up to his his private areas. He opens up the door, and I go inside, and the, the guy that was like, I don't know if he was working there or anything, was opening up the doors for me for my drink. I'm like, wow, what service? He's wearing no shoes. I'm like, dude, could you clip your nails or something? That's <laughs> disgusting. So... So I grab my sandwich. I'm like, just don't touch my sandwich, okay? So I, I I walk right out. I jump into the Uber. and I'm like, I've never seen that before. So I said before I left, I said, let me go to two more Seven Elevens. And I, it's like something about over there. Maybe it's the Seven Elevens. I don't know. Maybe people just don't wear their. I, I don't know. I have.
4: could no be the 7-Eleven. Yeah. No, I could wasn't at that. It was two
3: different 7-Elevens besides that <laughs> one I went to. so It was very unique. So I, I guess it's Vancouver over there. But I love it over there, and I, it is definitely a place that I would move to 110%. Just as
1: long as you don't end up in one of Ashley Sarge's hotel rooms. Oh, my God. I,
3: <laughs> can I tell you something? This man, Ashley Sarge, he works for the NHL, all right? Yeah. So he tells me to meet him over there, all right? So I, he tells me I got a hotel. So I said, okay, where is he? He says, it's at the Backpacking District. Now, I know Backpacking Districts, it's, it's, it's a slum place, right? So I said, Ashley, is it a nice place? He says, yeah, it's it's fine. So I, I I get up. I get to the place. There's graffiti all over the wall, okay? And I'm like, this doesn't look like a good place. So I, I had to knock on the door, and they had to, I had to give him a code to open up the door, okay? And then he, get, he comes down. He gets me in there. I walk up, and there's... One bathroom on the whole floor, and there's like there's like 10 rooms, okay? So everybody's sharing a bathroom. That was a no-no for me. And then when I got into the room, there was one bed. I said, Ashley, where am I going to sleep? He says, well, you can sleep on the floor. He's like, dude, they, i they look like mice live on the floor. I'm not sleeping on this damn floor. That whole night, dude, that whole night, I called every single hotel, even on the outskirts of Vancouver, to take the train or whatever, the, 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 the track over there. I found a train right outside of Vancouver to jump on the track over there to get to get to Vancouver. This man wanted me to sleep on the floor for three days. I mean, is he out of his (laughs) mind? And then I I took a shower. I took a shower with my socks on, with my socks on, just to take just to take a shower in a public bath because I took a you know my flight was like six hours. So it was yeah. disgusting, dude. I, I
4: Oh, that sounds brutal. Yeah, well, I'll tell I you this. Feel, I feel for you, man. That's that's tough. Well, guess what?
3: You, to make it make it all you know interesting, the guy that I was rooming with had one leg, so that was interesting by itself. Wow.
4: <laughs> so, it just keeps getting better. It does. It,
3: it gets better. I mean, no, no offense, and, and shout out to Ashley Sarge. Love the guy. But yeah. uh, he's he is an interesting character, the city of That's why he he brought up. Hopefully, he doesn't take you to one of those backpacking districts. I I have no idea what he was thinking. Maybe because the the hotel room was like a hundred and fifty a night. I said, for an extra hundred bucks, dude, we could have stayed in a all you all exclusive four star hotel that gives us breakfast in the morning. You pain in the you know what? Worth but it for sure. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
4: especially after hearing that. Oh yeah, hundred percent uh, worth it.
1: So in the multiple of cities that you played, either, either in Vegas or in some of the minor league cities that you've played in, do you have any interesting off-the-ice stories uh, in the last two years since we've had you on?
4: Ooh, from any city?
1: Either one of those cities, yeah.
4: Yeah. Um... Oh, either one is in, like, uh, Vegas. Yeah, or Fort Anderson. Wayne
1: or any of the other cities you oh, played in, yeah.
4: Um, I don't know if I have any, like, really crazy, interesting stories. We won the Cup in Fort Wayne. The whole city, like, they treat you like you're in the NHL over there. It's crazy. So, like, they pretty much, like, had a parade for the entire team, like, shut down the main road and stuff, and that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, they shut down, like, the, the bar restaurant, the biggest one in the city, and, you know, had a big sign that said, you know, for the cup only. And that, that was pretty fun too. And uh we had a great time obviously there. Um, you know how that goes when you win a championship. So um, had that fun. And uh man, I don't know if I have anything else for you coming to my head right now. Be honest. I wish I did, but I don't.
3: One more question for me. As everybody knows, we're talking to golden Knights, goaltending prospect, Dylan Ferguson. Uh, how is your family doing with the whole COVID situation? Obviously, two years of just absolute craziness. And I, I, w- I would hope that it's slowing down, even though there's, it's still going on. Uh, how has your family been, uh, how has your family been from all this? And, 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 and what have you, your family done to protect themselves from the whole COVID situation?
4: Yeah, I think, um, so my, my, my mom's side of the family's, uh, on Vancouver Island and, I'm up here with my dad's side of the family so I'm I'm kind of going back and forth quite a bit and doing that kind of stuff they want me to sanitize and all that mm-hmm. but well I'm not there it's all been good as much as you want to believe is controllable I feel like getting covid's pretty uncontrollable you know I I had it last year and just got it really randomly like I didn't wasn't going out anywhere you can just walk past anyone and it takes one particle and you have it right so um overall it's been good you know everyone's still healthy and safe which is you know priority number 1 and um, means the most to me. And, um, you know, everyone I think is still adopting, which is crazy. What is it? Three years later? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you still hear these stories of there might be a new strain, all this, but whatever, I think now's the time to just like, you know, live in the moment, listen to what they're saying and be safe. But, um, you know, you can't let it, uh, indulge you.
1: So I see you got a, the Henderson jersey with a couple autographs on that. Uh, what are the significance of that? What's the uh, oh you got your Vegas one on the left.
4: Yeah, I say. You got so both is that there. is
1: that your own autograph or is that a, is that the team's? What is what are those? Uh,
4: so that was my uh, first shutout in Henderson. Um, nice. That was my year one, and I uh, I got that jersey and actually signed it to my dad. So that one uh, says first shutout, love, and then I gave a little signature to dad.
1: Mm-hmm. You know how many saves you got in that one?
4: Twenty nine. Twenty
1: nine. Look at you, man.
3: Well, we really appreciate your time as always. We're definitely gonna get you on again a lot quicker and a lot sooner than we did the last time. Uh we're we're praying for, sure. for you, man. I wanna see you I wanna see you succeed. I want you want you to experience a, a lifetime of great uh you know, a great time in the NHL and, and a great career. You deserve it. You've put a lot of time into this and I, I know because I was an athlete, I was a hockey player too before I hurt myself and my dream was to to get a chance to hoist the cup. I did experience watching the Stanley Cup being hoisted in Boston when St. Louis won. I was on the ice when they hoisted the cup, and it was a great experience. And I, I could only imagine being a player and getting the opportunity to be a big part of why that Stanley Cup was hoisted uh, in my hometown. So uh, we're, we're rooting for you. We're following you. And tell the fans how they can search you on social media.
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, first of all, I really appreciate that. Uh, means a lot. Thank you. Um, other than that, uh, Instagram's Dylan underscore Ferguson one. Twitter is I think dferg ninety eight, and uh, that's really all I'm on. I got TikTok, but I don't post anything. So. Yeah,
3: everybody, it, it, it's become like the the more popular one of the, all the social medias, and and most of the people that post something they're jackasses. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I do post things that is funny. We, me and Speedy, were doing a lot of things. Like I, I would post like four or five videos, and people love Speedy. I would ask him these silly, crazy, disgusting questions, and and Speedy just would answer them. So and people would. Yeah, it he drove me crazy with those. So uh, I definitely got to get back on the horse and, and start doing that again. But uh, Dylan doesn't need to witness all that. I think he does. I think he'll laugh.
4: Uh, I'd love to hear it. Oh, man. Oh. Speedy,
3: you have to send it to him.
4: Let I, him, don't, I, don't, him. I, don't, I don't have Snapchat. That's your job. Uh,
3: well, Snapchat's different, but, but we have Snapchat. He I don't has, have TikTok either. That's uh, your Dale, job. He is a, a star on Snapchat. I I don't use Snapchat for anything but posting the crazy yeah. stuff that I post up with him, and I ask him like all these weird, crazy questions, and he doesn't understand them. So it's so funny, man. He, you'll, you'll you'll probably <laughs> you'll probably it. watch it. and You'll just spit what if you're eating something, it'll just pop right out of your mouth. But there are people that post. They tell me when it. Why haven't you posted anything with Speedy in a long in a long time? I'm like, yeah. Well, he, he, it's just funny. He he's just like very. You know, he's innocent. He's an innocent guy that doesn't understand anything when it comes to anything that I ask him. So it's, it's very fun. So if you're eating any meals uh, or – I
4: got to see it for sure. I think you should, you should uh, get it going on TikTok though. You know, I, I you, should. I, to to I, I, should.
1: I should. I should. So if you're eating any good meals or unique cuisines that you like, don't watch those videos. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Otherwise, you'll
4: end up spitting Noted. out your food <laughs> inadvertently. <Noted. laughs> I do got to see them though. So I don't know if you want to – Send those my way somehow. I, I will.
3: Actually, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell Speedy. I'll give Speedy all the information on TikTok, and you can follow us on awesome, TikTok. Awesome, man. But, Dill, thank you, man, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, stay safe, and uh, keep, uh, you know, keep it ticking in the net, man.
4: Yeah, 100%, guys. Really appreciate the time, and uh look forward to being back on here soon. Absolutely. Dylan
3: Ferguson, ladies and gentlemen, Act uh, if you guys don't know him, goaltending prospect from the Golden Knights. Fantastic kid. guy. Kid has been on the show twice now, and he just has his good personality, and you see he's laid back, and that's what you want a goaltender to be, laid back. And just a straight-up personality, and that's that's what we like on this show, even though we have the crazy ones on the show, too. so. Uh, but uh, great, great kid. When we come back, yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Knicks made a trade as Jeff is laughing, as I praise Nerland's Noel. Well, uh, the Knicks made a trade, and they trade Nerland's Noel and Burks to the Pistons to open up salary room to add – possibly Jalen I think they have enough for Jalen Brunson but uh maybe more money for somebody else. Yep. When we come back we'll get into that here on the Sports Loudmouths.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths.
3: We are back ladies and gentlemen as you know. This is the Sports Lab Mounts. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Shout out to Dylan Ferguson for joining us. Thank you for your time. Great kid, Speedy. Uh, mm. fantastic personality and I'm happy that everything's doing well for him over there in uh, Vegas. So uh, hopefully we'll see him soon in the NHL for good. And now and now he knows to avoid all the hotels of Ashley Sarge. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, he doesn't know Ashley Sarge. Thank God he doesn't well, know Ashley Well, he, now
1: he knows what they're
3: about, though. Mm. Well, as we were doing our interview, uh, Josh, a.k.a. Josh Silverberg, uh, who's been on our show, he's been a part of our show and fantastic friend and and confidant, um, he reached out to me and he posted something that Nerlens Noel, and, and Burks were traded from the Knicks to the Pistons to free up money. He also gave up two second-round draft picks uh, as one of their uh, 11 second-round draft picks that they have for the next uh, seven years. Um, and and uh, listen, I, I know looking at Jeff, he's going, ha, 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 one week ago Earl praised Nerlens Noel, and now they ship him and Alec Burks to the Pistons and, and cursing on me. Let me tell you something, Jeff. I think Nerlens Noel is one of the best shot blockers in the league. But he he really became that when he went to the Knicks. He wasn't a great player with Philadelphia. He played for Dallas one year. He wasn't really good in Dallas. He went to the Knicks, and he fit very well in a Tom Thibodeau defense. Alec Burks, I, I'm upset that they lost a player like Alec yeah, Burks. I, mean so. I think he's a good player. He's a good six man. He played very well at some points. I mean, the Knicks started him at the point guard position a couple of times this year, too. I know why they're doing this. They're freeing up space so they can guarantee that they're going to get Jalen Brunson. I really hope Jalen Brunson turns out to be the player that the Knicks have been craving for, a point guard of that magnitude. Because if he gives, if, if he does anything what he did in the playoffs and gives you 22, 23 points a game and gives you about four or five assists a game, it was worth every penny of making that move for New Orleans Noel and, and, and Burks. The thing is... If you already have $20 million, $21 million freed up, and now you're freeing up, I think, another
1: $30 million, according to Waz's Twitter.
3: So altogether, it's $30 million. Mm-hmm. Are you paying him $30 million? Are you giving him $30 million a year? That would be a big mistake for this. Yes. I-, I would not pay Jalen Brunson $30 million a year to get him. Now, I'd pay him $21. i would pay him $20. i would give him that. I'd give him $120, $130 million. Uh, something of that magnitude, I'm not overpaying Jalen Brunson. He's not a 200 million dollar player. I wouldn't even say he's a 150 million dollar player. I would say he's a 120, 110 million dollar player. That's what I think he is. And I, I think if the Knicks overpay him, I, I think it's a big mistake. Now, do I think Jalen Brunson could turn out to be the player that they they needed for, or they've been craving for at the point guard position for years? I surely hope so. I think he's a better shooter than Stevie uh, Franchise or Steph Marbury or any of the point guards they've landed in, in, in free agency. Even Derrick Rose, who, mm-hmm. who they made the move for. And Derrick Rose was a shell of himself when he came to the Knicks. And he was good last year as, as a bench player. Mm-hmm. but he And he's going to still be with the Knicks this year. But he's kind of the same. He's a, Jalen Bruns is a younger Derrick Rose, just a better shooter.
1: Yes, much better shooter. Derrick Rose will only really emerge his shot later in his career. Derrick Rose was much more of the attacking point guard at the beginning of his career before, obviously, all those knee injuries. Uh, by the way, Jeff has arrived. What's up, Jeff?
2: See, this is great. I love this. Well, here we go. Speedy, do you see what's going on here, Speedy? Mm. Do you see this? If Earl mm. could backpedal any quicker, he'd moonwalk yeah, through that wall behind I'm him back right peddling. now. He what is he, Michael one, Jackson? One week ago, it was, New Orleans Noel is so great. Keep was, New Orleans Noel. Ship out Jul- Julius Randle. Get rid of Jul- now. Now they actually moved New Orleans Noel within a week of him saying and that. And I've He's got like, news for you. Yeah, Julius Randle is next. And Julius Randle is next. Really, but is he even really that good? But is he? Eh, is he? Last week it was Nurland's Dowell over Julius Randall. He's the first one did you, shipped out. Speedy,
3: did I say anything bad about Norland Noel in my take over here? I don't think so. I didn't say anything. I think Norland Stowell like, he, oh, he, was, he was
2: only he was good when
3: he got yeah, yeah, to New York. That's yeah, true. It's true. You want to go look at the numbers? Go look at the numbers. Oh,
2: now it's the numbers. Yeah, again. go look at the
1: numbers. Yeah, he, he, he had one. Good. He had his first couple good scoring seasons in Philly when Embiid was hurt, and then it really took him a while to get going after his all his injuries too. He had a lot of bad seasons in the middle of his career. Then kind of reemerged. In the uh, COVID shortened season with the Thunder, uh, like you, like Errol was saying, in Dallas, he wasn't that good, and he was the that's best a, shot blocker in the NBA all, in, when he was with the net, the, the New York Knicks 2.2 blocks a game in 2020, 2021. Yep,
2: all, all of what you're saying is true, but it doesn't leave out that oh, he's so great, get rid of this guy, and then when they actually Get rid of him. Be, oh, he's not really that good anyway. I didn't say, if he, I if didn't he really say that. that I didn't say that.
3: I didn't say that. You're again taking words out of my mouth. What Jeff always does. He takes words out of everybody's mouth because he thinks he knows everything. No, I did not say because- that. I did not downplay it. Do I think it's a good move? I just said that Knicks cannot give Jalen Brunson $30 million a year. If they do that,
2: cl- they're going to give him close. I think Woj was saying in a different tweet, if you go to a different tweet, that he's not going to get the max, but he's going to get. Almost the max, which I guess would imply about 28 million, 27, 28 million. I think yeah, that's too much. Th- that's
1: what it says. The neighborhood of the max contract for Jalen Brunson, the unloading of assets and contracts clearly shows the Knicks' confidence they can sc- secure Brunson once free agency opens Thursday.
2: I think right, that's so, a big mistake. So, so this is, I think it's a big mistake too. And that's, it has nothing to do with Jalen Brunson. It has everything to do with what I pointed out to you last week. You're losing Alec Burks, you're losing Nerlens well, you're losing depth. I think both of them are fine players. Are they all-star players? No, probably not. They are great, great depth pieces. Like, great de- Those guys are both great dudes to have coming off of your bench. Like, great bench players. And so, I don't think that you guys are getting better by adding Jalen Brunson just because they covet a point guard. Yes, I know they need one. They haven't had one in a while. That's all well and good. I, I don't think what you're gaining is greater than what you're losing. You need depth well, in this
3: league. Well, well, you love Julius Randle, but if, one
2: guy doesn't make a team. We can uh, see it with Kyrie have, and, and Kevin They Durant. have R.J. Like Barrett no too,
3: who is an up-and-coming star. And and we, right. you, you forget about R.J. Barrett and what he did this year. He took right, but three steps forward.
2: Right, but what you're forgetting is what every other team, what every other team is missing. Right. Look at the final four of the NBA. Mm-hmm. They were complete teams. It wasn't. The Kyrie and KD built team, it wasn't, you know, oh, the, the the Knicks are the Knicks, idiot I am, the Lakers with uh, LeBron and, and West Brick and those guys, it wasn't one of the, it's depth, depth gets there, Miami, deep team, Boston, whether you like it or not, Errol, pretty deep team, right, uh, the only one that kind of wasn't was, Dallas, yeah. It was Dallas. But here's the, the thing. Team,
3: Jeff, you say that the Knicks are not – they don't have depth. They do have depth. Look at the young players they have. Look who they drafted over the last couple of years. Quickly, you quickly Obi lo- Toppin. These are all
2: guys that are off the bench. Grimes, these are guys <laughs> but, off the bench. They're not starting. Right. You're losing, you're losing established veteran players. They want the young players to develop. For, They're I not playing. That. They didn't play Putting a lot last it. year. But you can still develop those guys. Like, I feel when? like if you do it too early, you're throwing them to the fire. You still need some veteran guys in there for leadership and to show these other guys how it's done. Uh,
3: and, and obviously, they're keeping Robinson because if they're trading Nirlins Noel, they're keeping Robinson. So that's their plan. Right. Which also hurts their big man depth. You need three big guys. I, 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 well, they do. They had the kid from Texas that played very yeah, well last Jericho year. Jericho Sims. Yeah. Sims played very well last year. I was surprised year. too. I didn't uh, think he was gonna he, be that good. He did, he played very well last year. Remember, Nerlens Noel didn't play at all last year, and Sims played well off the bench. He was a good <coughs> rebounder. I was pleasantly surprised.
1: I,
2: he played I know, well. Man, I don't I don't I don't like this move on a on a lot of levels because I think that you're investing a lot of money in a guy that and listen, I like Jalen Brunson. This isn't a knock against Jalen Brunson. He's going to get more money than he deserves. Okay. Would we agree on that? Mm-hmm. That he's going, Probably, get, yes. he's going to get mm-hmm. I don't think he's worth twenty eight right, like, million. Right. Like I, I don't want to like be out of bounds on this, but it, I'm not looking at Jalen Brunson going, man, worth every penny of that thirty million we're about to give him.
3: Well, I will say this: I, I don't know if everybody knows that there was a story that came out that Donovan Mitchell and Emmanuel Quigley <coughs> were hanging out last night at a restaurant eating dinner. Now, I don't know what that means. Obviously, Donovan hangs out here in the offseason. He's from over here. His father works for the Mets. We all know the story. But that that's something that you have to look at because even though they add Jalen Brunson, I don't think Julius Randle is safe with the Knicks. I don't believe that. if I, they
2: trade him, they're going to have no big people.
3: I understand that. But listen, teams have played small over the last couple of years and have succeeded. They, the Golden I, State I Warriors played face. small this year.
2: They were one of the smallest I mean, teams in the NBA. They they did, but they didn't, because they had big guys on their oh. roster. I forget who I forget who the big Who
1: was well, their big man? Kavan Looney, Looney was their big Looney,
3: man. Was, yeah, Looney but was Looney was playing in the playoffs. He but, played more than he did in the regular had, season. They also right. had,
2: but they also had Kaminga who played pretty well. You know what I'm saying? And they also had uh I don't know, the giant I'm forgetting what his name is, but he's the giant like Serbian or Croatian or whatever. It
1: can also like Yeah, shoot Belica well or something like that. Yeah.
2: Belitza. Yeah, yeah, yeah Belitza. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty. I don't think well. he played
1: much in the playoffs. I didn't see him at all, really. No, uh, Looney, uh, Looney played so well, they barely took him out.
2: Right, spot. He was spotty in his time. He, right. he was there, too. He, they, they have some dudes that can, they can play. But yes, did they play small at times? They certainly did. But I don't think that that's a winning strategy, doing it all the time. Hmm. They would have gotten smoked if they played small uh, and, and they played DeAndre Ayton. All they would have done was thrown the ball inside, and he'd have been dunking on Kaminga
1: the whole time. Stuck says, I don't know. Let's just say the Nerlens noel stock has dropped a bit in quite the last week. And uh, we got Mark arrived in the feed now. What's Go going dogs. on, Mark?
5: Hey, guys. What's up?
3: No, I, I'm happy that you joined us. Thank God that you got home safe. But yeah. uh, we're yeah. talking about the Knicks trade. And, and, again, I'm not saying that I was happy about this. I like <laughs> – New know well. I understand because I understand the whole situation. They have to give up, you know, contract. They have to give up money because they want to bring in another player. But I, I didn't want to see Alec Burks go. I, I like Alec, Alec Burks. He played very well last year. He started a couple of games for the Knicks. He was a great piece off the bench. So that's a big loss for the Knicks. But if Jalen Bronson, who's 25, going to be 26 this year, if he, if he gives the Knicks that point guard depth that they needed for the last couple of years that they have craved, uh, and, and he's still fairly young, and you could build your team around him and R.J. Barrett for the future – I think it's a good move by the Knicks. I just don't know how good Jalen Brunson's going to be in New York. He played well with a, a superstar player, Luka Doncic. Jeff, we were talking about this. We we have to see if he plays uh, with he plays well with R.J. Barron and maybe Julius Randle if they can't move his contract.
2: I'm not saying that he's going to be no good. Like, don't don't take it like I'm saying that at all, right? Because I I'm a fan of his game. I've liked I liked him at Villanova, whatever. I'm just skeptical of him being like. The, when you give a guy that much money, he's like the guy, right? Like he's the guy, right? Like I'm just skeptical of him being the guy. That's all. But I think he's a fine player. We'll see if he can elevate to the next level. That's all it is for me.
3: How about you, Mark? You're, you're a Nick fan. What did you think well, about this move?
5: Yeah, I've, I've been a Nick fan, but I haven't really rooted for them much. Cause I haven't been much to root for But Stephen A. Smith, I saw this segment 17 of the last 21 years. They've had losing seasons. And, I was a big, as big a Knicks fan as you could get in the 90s. I mean, I was at game five when Charles Smith missed those shots, and I'm still not over that. I'm still not over that they lost to the Bulls that year. So I I was a huge Knicks fan. Now, I I like Barrett, um, and I thought they were going somewhere last year uh, when they lost to Atlanta in the first round. At least they got to the playoffs. Never just seems that this, this year, either the guys that were supposed to step up and play better didn't. I thought Randall was inconsistent, but then Randall is inconsistent. And I don't know if he's a guy that they can build a team around. I like Barrett, though. It, they, they just never seem to know what they're doing. And it, it's really hard to take them seriously when they do do something because you don't have confidence in anything they do anymore. So I have I, a question. I said, I Brunson's, a, Brunson's a good player, but, I mean, you 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 learn from the Allen Houston contract. And I loved Allen Houston. They gave him all that money. He wasn't that type of player. He was a role player. He wasn't the the guy, even though he could be the guy in some games. He wasn't going to be the number one guy on a championship team. They paid him all that money. How, How long did they screw that up? They had to pay that contract down. It still works for, for the years.
3: team. I disagree. I, I think Alan Houston was a good player for the Knicks. He averaged, what, 22, 23 points a game. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, that's but it. But that's a max player. I
5: mean, a max player Wasn't that deserving you of that money, though. That 22, 23
3: points a game in his career as a Nick. that's. Uh, that's deserving.
5: I mean – But he wasn't, he wasn't a guy you built your team around. He was a compl- – Yeah, but Jalen Brunson, they're player. not building
3: around. They're building around R.J. Barrett. That's what no. they're doing. They need a point guard. They need a guy that can get them the ball. They had but nobody. You got to
5: distribute the money better. R.J., R.J.,
3: uh, if you want a point guard, you want an up-and-coming point guard, you're going to have to pay them. They're not going to – they don't grow on trees. And Jalen Brunson, what he did this year, especially in the playoffs – he became an elite point guard in the playoffs. Now, if he could do that all season long with the Knicks and give you 21, 22 points and give you about five, six assists, you you have yourself one of the top seven, top eight point guards in the league. So but you, he hasn't
5: done that in his career. He's only averaged like 16 points a game. Uh, okay. This is his peak year. He's
3: 25 man. years old. He's only been in a league for four years. How many years do so, you need? What are you talking about?
1: He's only really he peaked he the last between, two. Between, he
5: was a starter. He for, he's only points. been a starter for two years. Yeah, but he's been in the league three years. I mean, uh, all right, they and had have to shed to all those league. bad contracts all, first. Mark,
3: do you want to go? You, if we look at Jalen Brunson right now, if we go to Jalen Brunson right now as a starter, let's go right here. I'm I'm looking at his numbers right now. All right, because I I want to see he's been in the league for four years. I looked at his numbers. Okay. And, and I'm and he played 21, 21 minutes his first year, seventeen minutes his second year, twenty-five minutes, and then thirty-one this minutes. This year was his best year. He, he also played the 16, most minutes. 16.3 points. And he and he and he played thirty-one minutes this year. So and this is this is the year you want to see the guy transition in his twenty-fourth. 25th year, when you're 24 25. You, you saw that with the Greek freak. You saw that with J- Jason Tatum. You saw the transition when they're 24 25. Now you're seeing with the point guard. If the point guard is giving you uh, Chris Paul, his whole career, he gave, you know, his numbers are like 16 or 17 and uh, like 10 and. What is it? The six, seven, six or yeah. something like that. If, if Bronson could get his assist numbers up a little bit more and give you 16, 17 points, he's an elite point guard in the league. So uh, do I think he could get there? I, I I think it's better. You're not going to find a point guard in in the draft. Obviously, the Knicks haven't traded. You their- talking about?
5: They, the Knicks haven't drafted at all.
3: They, they haven't they drafted. drafted. But this
1: wasn't really a point guard draft. What am anyway. I talking about? When was the last yeah. time the
2: Knicks? Yeah. So Jeff, when was the last time the Knicks drafted right at the point guard position? They 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 could have they could have in oh, oh, they could have got him if you're yelling for no reason because you don't. They could have got, got him years ago. Great. No, they, they didn't. They in didn't draft. They could have gotten him in this draft. Ooh. The greatest point guard in the history of the league was just drafted in the second round. Alabama Crimson Tide point guard. <laughs> yes, he he knows Davidson just went to the Celtics. Hey, hey, Mark, right. are you a Celtics fan now? Alabama Crimson. you right. right. I forgot. JD I forgot Davison. about that.
5: <laughs> Great. Better, better than John Petty, though. Great. Uh, the fact. Come on, it-
2: board, Mark. We got all the Crimson Tide players now. Come on, Mark.
3: Let's go. <laughs> Oh man, with the with the Boston Celtics, but again, I I I don't think it's crazy to think that Donovan Mitchell's on their list, uh, you know, their Christmas list, and and if Donovan does become available, uh, I I do believe that th- th- it's not a coincidence that he was out to dinner with Emmanuel Quigley last night. Okay, that's just not a coincidence. Be. No, it isn't.
6: It I, could be. He's a kid.
2: Oh,
3: come on, dude. Come a lot on. Of these
2: players hang out together. It it could be. Yeah, okay.
3: So he was spotted just hanging out with Emanuel quickly at a dinner. Oh, you know, a know, dinner in the city. I know. You know but I right.
2: page six. Oh, right. That's right.
3: Yes. Well, all the people well, he can well, hang out with, he hung out with Emanuel. I get all. I get Great. all the
2: truth from TMZ.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's not TMZ, dude. It Jeez. wasn't on TMZ. It was. It was. Great. It was the New York Post. First of all.
2: Right. And right. My, right. My, my whole point is. You're just listening to gossip. You're just seeing. Oh, they're in a how is it gossip? You're, you're telling me that the 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 Knicks
3: and Jonathan Mitchell are, haven't been linked. They've been linked for the last two,
2: three, four months until an executive makes a call or whatever. Until they're in contract, it, talks, you can't You can't talk DeAndre until. I agree. I agree, I agree so
3: you far. can't talk until
2: free agency opens up. All this speculation is crazy. I disagree with what Jeff says. It's like when you said earlier, oh, Zach, it's like what you said earlier. Oh, Zach Levine to the Lakers. How? Tell me how. He's a max contract guy, and they already have three. So Zach Levine to the Lakers makes no sense.
3: First of all, I said that the Lakers are a team that's very interested. And, yes, they could make a move for him. they got to shed contracts. they got to get rid of Russell Westbrook. They're going to have to make moves, but right. they so can nobody do that. wants
2: to do. That's why he just opted in. Uh-huh. That's why he just opted in. So it's what? The same so did Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. That's right. That's right. right. And they so, still could trade right. him. They still you know could trade why, him. Do, do you know why Kyrie opted in? Why? It's because the team gave him permission to seek a sign and trade. And no one, and everyone was like, "No." So he's like, "Oh, screw it. I guess I need my $30 million. Um,
3: maybe he opt in just to get the guaranteed money. And when the trade, obviously, when the free agency market opens up and everybody gets picked off you know, picked off uh, the
2: open Ooh. market, he right, could the be problem. the availability guy that somebody's Here, gonna want. Here's the problem with your logic. guys teams only want to trade. Like actual real assets, like something valuable. If they know he's not going to walk away because he's burned too many teams, because the Celtics made a deal and he was there for one year, and it was all oh I love it I'm going to sign here. Did he? No. He was no there for two years. years.
3: He was there for two years.
2: He he wasn't. Kyrie People was like there one year. Kyrie was there for two years. He got traded in the middle of one season, and then that off season, he's like I'm he was, signing. That's two he years, hurt? Jeff. That's two years, Jeff. Right. Right, and now it would only be one. He, he's only on oh the contract for this year. Oh right, he, he'd only be under contract for this year. So no one's going to give up assets for someone that has one. They're not trading for an expiring contract and giving up anything of value.
5: They're
2: not doing
3: it. Kyrie was there for two years. He played 60 games right. his first year, 67 games his second year. That's right. two but years, burned, Jeff. Two years, Jeff. Many teams Count the number. To
2: to, two. But, he, but he's burned too many teams for anyone to give up anything valuable for him. He's, he's burned too many teams. No one's doing it. I, I will tell
3: you this: if 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 the market opens up and everybody's off the market, and somebody needs a point guard, or you, you're hearing LeBron James is got, not going to sign his extension if he doesn't get another player there, I'm telling you, one way or another, somebody's going to find a way to get Kyrie over Ky,
2: Kyrie Irving over. Unless there. they get another player, they'd have to shed contracts, three so three team
3: trade. And I and I trust me with Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks aren't going to be able to trade him dead, you know, straight up. The Knicks are going to have to bring in another team. And we, me and Speedy were talking about this uh, before the show started, that the only way the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell is they have to bring another team in that's going to trade assets for him. That's the only way it's going to happen. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. Is it possible? If Donovan Mitchell says he only wants to go to the Knicks, even though he has given, you know, obviously, Utah three or four teams that he's interested in going to, he could just say, you know what, I want to be a Knick. That's all I want to be, or I'm going to sit out, or I'm not, I'm I'm right. not I'm not and playing. Now that, this and thing.
2: now that they've given away Nerlens and Burks, mm-hmm. w- what do they what would they have to trade? What would they have to Julius Randle,
3: one of them, and uh, what's his name again? The three point shooter that they got from uh, they signed in the offseason from Orlando or Boston or Fournier. Fournier. That's it, Yeah, they don't want
2: Fournier anyways. He stinks.
3: But I'm I'm just saying they would have to shed. They would bring another team in. They would have to give up. You know, remember the Knicks have 11 first round draft picks for the next seven years, so they can shed those picks off if Donovan Mitchell is right. the other guy that they could bring in. So yes, oh, I you, think the
2: Knicks have enough right, to do it. Right, but you'd have like how many would they have to give up? Four, it, four first. Right, yeah, it would have to be a lot. Because four, they, the, those first round picks being honest wouldn't really even be worth anything no, because first assuming yeah, two of them are conditional.
1: Are, are, yeah,
2: Right. But, but it's not even that they're not going to be worth anything anyways, because they're making this move, assuming that New York is going to get better. Right. Yes. So if they're going to be better, what's their draft pick? 25? I would
3: say it, like, a lot of people were interested in Grimes in a lot of these trades this offseason. Grimes has been a name that's been, been brought up in a lot of these trades. I would say that four first-round draft picks and maybe the Grimes are open yeah, top. Ha-
2: it would have to be. Yeah, yeah, it would
5: have to be. It would be crazy.
2: Yeah, they would have to. They would have to trade. Or they could have just drafted J.D. Davidson
5: and their whole world would be better. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you guys remember when the Knicks had three draft picks in like 90, 97, 96? They drafted McCarty. They drafted yes. John Wall. Br- bring that Jones. I saw
3: those guys recently. They were doing like some some commercial. It was pretty funny on MSG. Dante
5: Jones was supposed to be a superstar too out of Mississippi State. He had a great SEC tournament. He was to getting hurt and never played. And I thought I thought McCarty had an okay I NBA mean, career. He was a you know not for the player.
3: Knicks, not for the Knicks. Everybody no, knows.
5: for the Celtics. Yeah. But they they gave up on those guys a year after they they drafted him.
3: Yeah, and John Wallace, who I, I loved when they drafted him. Yeah, I liked
5: him at Syracuse too, yeah.
3: Yeah, he fell off. And I'm a Syracuse follow. I follow Syracuse. So he just he was a bust. But uh oh I Oh my I mean, god. It, it was
2: fucking stupid. Oh, oh
3: well there he goes. Uh if they, if the Knicks could add Donovan Mitchell and, and Jalen Brunson to this offseason, it's a win. They bring in Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell to RJ Barrett and RJ Barrett to that team. You, you have yourself your three youngsters that you could build your team around. Then whatever you do moving forward is you find the right pieces uh, to move forward for your organization. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when the free agency market's op- market opens up on
2: Thursday. And I, Everyone I, to the Knicks. No, I don't, I don't think everybody is. There's the only Knicks. three
1: spots for a max contract, so
2: not everybody can go to the Knicks. Isn't um, Randall the only max that they have? They're extending uh, R.J.
3: Barrett, so right, yeah. right. they're giving R.J. the extension, so... Um. So it would have to. They would have to move Julius Randle. And there are other teams that are probably reaching out to the Knicks about Julius Randle. I, I think they can. They can definitely shed Julius Randle's contract if they see that they can get Donovan Mitchell. The question is, they're gonna have to bring in another. And like I said, <laughs> Jeff, like we said, they're gonna have to give up a significant amount of draft picks to get him. So if they think that Donovan Mitchell, RJ Barrett, but and Jalen Brunson work? is but the how, future.
2: Uh, honestly, honestly, I'm just curious now. This isn't just don't get mad at me. Mm, I'm not You yell at everything. How is it even possible they can get Donovan Mitchell? Because they have Randall, they'd be getting Mitchell, that would be a max, right? And Donovan Mitchell would certainly be a max. RJ Barrett would be getting the max, then they couldn't get Jalen no no no, no 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 Randall no. would be yeah, part of the
3: trade. Randall be part of the trade one. And two, um, I just said Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, and RJ Barrett are the future. RJ's twenty three, gonna be twenty three this year. Jalen Brunson's gonna be twenty he's twenty five, gonna be twenty-six, and Donovan Mitchell's twenty-five, gonna be twenty six too. Three guys RJ's not a prime player yet, but you have two guys that are just about in their prime. You you're ready to I mean, you're ready to win now if you get those three players. A, but it
2: wouldn't make but it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Uh, in another way, okay. Now I'm getting that you're saying Randall's in the trade. So got it. So they'd be able to afford it, but Mitchell and Brunson are both point guards. Like, how does how are they going to make? That Mitchell's one? not a necessarily two. a point He's guard. He's a two.
1: He, he can play. Two. Yeah, he can play both.
3: He's a two, and and Brunson is the one. So that they, they, with that backcourt, with Donovan Mitchell and Brunson, uh, you're talking about elite, you know, elite top three uh, guard, you know, guard plays in the league. That'd be a so.
2: super small guard tandem.
3: Yeah, well, I, I get Donovan Mitchell isn't small. He's what 6'3, 6'4? Right? 6'3, six, six,
2: 6'4, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think six 6'4. Yeah, well, well, average shooting guard in the league is 6'5. So is it that small? I mean, seriously, it's not that small. So, and but again, the league is played small, Jeff. But Jeff we got to we got to let you go for right now. Cause... No, he's 6
1: foot 1. Is he? I thought he's he was 6 bigger. foot 1. He's 6 foot 1. Okay. So I thought he was six four as well. Okay. Right. So
2: he's tiny. Yeah. And Brunson's 5'11. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. I don't know is he, is he even 6 feet?
3: No, I don't... I don't think he's 6 feet. No, no, I think he's no, His dad 11. was
5: small. <laughs>
3: yeah, he's he's small. But uh All right, well, fast. So yeah,
2: it it was fun joining you guys, but before I go, yes. Mark are you a Celtics fan now?
5: No, I have never liked the Celtics. <laughs> There you go. Why, 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 why would it be a Celtics fan? Because they drafted a guy from Alabama. Is
1: that I'll ever be a Celtics? Oh, I got fan.
5: it. I got it. Wait a minute. You. Oh, but, I'm just getting now that you like right now. You, you compare me to everything Alabama. Alabama I'm just getting that now. Yeah, all I know is it's going to be a very good season for the football team.
3: For Alabama and Georgia,
2: yes. For Alabama, and and not for nothing, the Celtics. Probably going to be the team with the best hair in the league now. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Robert Williams with his his like sideshow. Thank bob. you, Jeff. JD Davidson with a big blonde afro. Marcus hair David hair's man. green. We're only really missing stiff. you, Mark.
5: <laughs> JD Davidson is such a stiff. Thank you, Jeff. Take care, Jeff. God Almighty.
3: Anyways, Mark, how are you doing? I mean, Jeff hogging up the time as always. No, it's
5: funny uh he's is
3: crazy but uh he he wanted to mention the Knicks, and we we've talked a lot of basketball this tonight right. tonight but we got a lot of football to get into uh we definitely got to get into a you know, obviously uh cj mosley says that this season is playoff a bust for the jets uh, so we'll get into that a little bit later in the show cj mosley's very high on this team he really is and when, if this team actually could stay healthy this year this offensive line is elite it, it could be okay. elite
5: like, same thing with the, with the Knicks, same thing with the Mets, same thing with the Jets. I've, I'm done being excited for anything until I see it. I, I, I mean, come on. You in my lifetime. You, you don't think with this healthy?
3: offensive line, 100% healthy can't well, be elite? I mean,
5: I, I've, I've, I remember getting excited for things that were much stronger than this season can look, okay? And them just falling flat in their face. Yes. But it's with most of the teams I've for. So that's just a lesson I've learned in my life. With the, with some of but York you can't out.
3: sit here today and say that if this offensive line, with Lankin Tomlinson, uh, Lincoln, uh, you have obviously Elijah Ferrett, tucker now, uh, Makai Beckham, yeah. who has a lot to prove this year to stay healthy. Uh, Ka- McGovern, when he did play last year, he was a top six, top seven center in the league. And then George Errol, Font was a top ten go- uh, a tackle in the league last
5: year. Harold, They could have the Holy Trinity on their offensive yeah, line. I understand. And I still wouldn't believe Fine. it. twice.
3: Until- and then you know what we'll hear we'll hear Mark you know in the middle of the season. Wow, this offensive line's pretty good. I'm I'm, I'm actually see excited. It, if I see it,
5: I'm excited. I, I, I gotta see it. I can't I can't get excited. Listen, about I'm not anything.
3: excited. Listen, you have to be excited somewhere you know somewhere or another with your team. No matter what the team is or what the team has been over the last couple of years, I like what this team has done. I like what they did in the draft. I like what they're doing. Offensively and defensively, they didn't just go after offensive players in the draft. They mm-hmm. went after defensive players. They're doing everything they can to rebuild this team. What do you want the the, the Jets to do? To go after in free agency? It never worked for the Jets. So I, what they're I, doing, they they I've they gave a little mixture, a little mixture. I've seen them do
5: everything. I've seen him take it, take every step. I don't necessarily think this quarterback is going to be as good as people think. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen enough of him yet to be confident in him. Those are the types of things they got to see. Look, I'm 48 years old, okay? I, the times when I've looked forward for season and have them broke my heart has been many. So I've just learned that until I start seeing something I can believe in, it's just not worth my time to get as invested. Now, I still hope that they win, and I'm still happy that they finally looks like they're drafting better and they're making good free agent decisions, and they got a GM that actually knows what he's doing and drafts talented people right. instead of – Wasting second round after second round after second round pick. I talk about the it all the time. Pan out. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think they'll be – but they're in a tough division too, Errol. I mean, Buffalo's in their division. Miami's going to be better. Uh, obviously, the Patriots will probably be better even though – I I they're going to I, I
3: don't feel Miami's going to be better this year. I don't. I don't. They don't have an offensive line. It's Who's not protecting like they're in a, a, a bad who is, protect, uh, <laughs> who is protecting Tua this year? Who do they have protecting yeah. him? They are am saying for the Jets, it's
5: not like they're in a bad oh, okay Give, they, the, they're the, in a Miami's
3: offensive line is nowhere close to the talent. They have, Armstead, I mean, they, they have one good player in Teron Armstead, and then they have one decent one in have Jackson. Fine, that's you might be right. But to to, to compare the Miami Dolphins the offensive line. The offensive line to the Jets—it's not even close.
1: They also were statistically the worst in the, the league. Jets Jets the Jets' offensive two years.
3: line is the best offensive line in that yeah. division.
0: When now, we're getting you,
3: now we're getting to It is. It's true. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, well, you can't I've, know until you see it. But you, you you do know what talent is, don't you?
5: You do know I've what seen, talent. is. You know, I—I've been tricked yeah. a lot. They got to stay healthy. The That's talented. the
3: secret for the Jets. It's health. It's, it's the
5: quarterback, too. The quarterback's got
3: to yeah, be Yeah, well, guys. if the offensive line could give him th- three, four, five seconds then, to throw the ball, I mean, me and you could throw the ball.
5: Uh, well, I don't know if I could, but maybe you could. All right. I'm, well, I'm a little bit older than you now. Maybe maybe five years ago I could, but not. I'm getting What I'm, I'm saying is
3: if you give the quarterback enough time, you can do make every single throw. This is a, start, this is a quarterback that is very accurate. You get an offensive line that can protect him, you could do anything.
5: But Which I don't I'm know saying. if he's very accurate yet. I, I don't. He's only played one year, and he wasn't really good last year. I mean, he was. I don't he know. Flashes. in the
3: last in the last seven games of the season, he was the second most accurate quarterback in all of Not the NFL. Just I'm to say he was. You and you're a numbers guy, Mister Statistician, so go. No, look but I'm a, I'm a
5: win guy, and I'm, a, and I'm also. They won, a four,
3: they won four. They won four out of the last seven games. That four. means
5: nothing to me. I mean, I'm just saying. Until it, until they they're you're play, a wins guy. Mean, I I just told you has a fourth-quarter game-winning drive against a good team. Those are the things I'll start to believe in. If he happens to be – I mean, remember a couple years ago him. there was 6-2 in the second half of the year? Mm-hmm. What happened to them next year? I don't know. Buffalo. I mean, so – which 2008 or
1: 2015?
5: No, this was 2019.
1: They weren't 6-2. They two. were not 6-2. They
5: two.
3: were 6-2 the second half of the year. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do remember that. Yes, they yes. were 6-2. Okay. Yes, yeah, so – Okay. So,
5: so I mean, oh, I can't wait to look what they did. One the of the year, they? And, then, and then their you know quarterback had such great numbers second half of the year. Now what happens? The trade deadline starts off well, and then he's a, he's a dud. So I need to see consistent play. But it, having like good stats for four or five games that mean nothing to me. It doesn't sell me yet, and they're, do it's you, not I mean, supposed to sell
3: you. He's a rookie quarterback.
5: So, we'll see
3: what he does the second year. I expect him to play better if they have protection. And they have. A, who did he throw to in the second half of the season?
5: Could well, I do like their wide receivers. You, I, I think they've done a good job getting uh, All right. So,
3: who did he throw to in the second half of the season? They were all hurt. Okay.
5: So, that, that's
3: not his fault. I, I'm not saying anything's someone's fault. I'm just saying I haven't seen enough yet. I, I, I love the weapons that they have this year. If they could stay healthy. I mean – He's going to have some good
5: weapons. I love the kid from Ole Miss. Man, I loved him in college.
3: I think Elijah Moore is going to be a star. I, yeah, I, I, I do believe that. And
5: but um, I like I like the quarterback that beat Cincinnati last year. I like Mike White. I thought I thought he did great. Oh,
3: give me a break! I can't sit here and listen to this. He beat
5: beat the Bengals. He beat the team that went to the Super Bowl.
1: He beat the. Yes, he did beat the team that went to the
3: Super Bowl. Absolutely,
1: absolutely true. But doesn't that spell like easy letdown game for the the Bengals too? They just blew up the Ravens, forty-two to ten. Everybody's a
5: letdown game for the Jets.
1: I yeah, but think about it. They just blew out the Ravens, forty-two to ten. Uh, their defensive coordinator and Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow taking shots at each Wait, other. Look, you know, I think that would be the saying, game to be like, saying, all right, Mike, we'll yeah, take I'm, it I'm easy. not saying
5: Mike White is the next, you know, Tom Brady. All I know is that when he, when he did play against Cincinnati, he played real well, and then he started off real well against Indianapolis until he, when he got hurt.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Well. It's going to be interesting to see what Mike White's not. You're not going to see Mike White one game this year. I, I guarantee you. Well, you
5: know this. You just getting hurt at, at some point. That kid's going to get hurt. I, it all depends. That quarterback gets hurt. If if the offensive
3: line stays healthy this year, I think he'll be protected. I think he has a lot of good depth. And brought in Conklin is a good blocker. They, they have good, good tight ends that can block now. I, I think they're going to yeah. be fine. I, I do I like
5: what they. I like what they've done in the offseason. I, I I do. Uh, and I liked their GM when they first hired him. I thought that he could
3: he's probably the star. do things the right he's
5: way. He's the star he's for He's the done things that. the right way. I, I think he's the star for the Jets. I really yeah, do. Yeah, I think he's done things the right way. But, you know, so they start winning. Um, like, when they signed T.J. Mosley in 2019, it just started that year. Remember they played Buffalo first game? Yep. And he had a great game. And he seen nothing. Hurt. Some they blow, blow a big lead. Um, well, he got hurt. He was dominant. He was. Yeah, yeah, way. he got right. He got hurt. Exactly. Like, those things happen. Like, it's not anybody's fault. It's just like these things happen, and they. I thought Buffalo was awful. I I never thought Allen was going to be good. Then they came back from that game, and that's just how the season started. And then quarterback got mono, and you know, God knows what can happen to the Jets. It usually does happen. So those things can't happen anymore. And then he. Said, they all goes, get excited.
3: They got to stay healthy, and but we we're. We're not. We're not trainers. We're not. We're. We're not the coaches of that. Or you know that organization. We're not in that locker room. And some of the players playing hurt. I believe that if if that offense, I I, th- I think the secret to the Jets' success this year. Is if that offensive line could stay healthy, I think you're going to see a huge leap for Zach Wilson. Obviously, we we wanted to get you on because I know you did that whole Jackie Robinson bit, yep. and uh, I'm sure people, you know, we have a little bit of, you know, we have a couple of minutes. What okay. what were, what did you do? Uh, obviously, to dedicate, uh, you know, the stats and you did something about uh, on Jackie Robinson. What did
5: you do? Yeah, I thank you for letting me talk about it. Um, I've gone around to some of the libraries around here, um, and Right now I've gone to, I went to about three of them locally, and I have four more at the end of this month and beginning of August that are all throughout Alabama. Um, And I go and I do a presentation. So the presentation is about the 1947 season. Okay. Uh, And it's, it starts with how Jackie Robinson got picked, like why he got picked, why Branch Rickey picked him, why it took so long. And you you, you tell the story, um, you know, Going back to the Black Sox when they hired the commissioner. Uh, And then he had a lifetime contract, Kennesaw Mountain Landers, and he was a known racist. There was no chance that they were ever going to integrate under him. Then they bring in Happy Chandler, who was a – he actually quit the house. Uh, And then he became governor of Kentucky. And then he left that job to be the baseball commissioner. And then he – him and uh, Branch Rickey get together. Ricky does his famous interview with Jackie Robinson where he says, can you live up to the thing we're going to put on you, the expectations? Can you be called these things and not interact and not fight back? This is a guy that was court-martialed in the Army. He was not passive. Jackie Robinson was not a passive guy. He was a guy that would stand up and fight, but yet he knew not to. But I thought the biggest thing about that 1947 season that you find out in presentation is Leo DeRocha who people, you know, if you're a baseball historian, Leo DeRocha literally wrote the book, Nice Guys Finish Last. It was one of the first books I read as a kid, okay? And DeRocha was a guy who was not, he wasn't the highest moral character, okay? Let's just put it that way. He was part of the 1934 Cardinals, known as the Gas House Gang, who would probably rob, steal, and kill you to win. Um, he was a member of the 1928 Yankees with Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth didn't like him because he stole his wallet. A lot of his teammates didn't like him because he did things like that. So he was a guy that would do anything to win. He became manager for the Dodgers in 1939 at age 33, and they actually picked him over Babe Ruth. They promised Babe Ruth a job, but they didn't give it to him because uh, they only wanted Babe Ruth to bring in fans at the end of the year because Brooklyn was horrible for the first, like, 40 years. They only made the World Series twice. DeRosha comes in. All of a sudden, they start to win in 1939. They make it to the World Series in 1941. They lose to the Yankees. And, uh, and then he, he consistently puts together a good offense and a winning team in Brooklyn. So when Robinson comes in 1947, it seems like he'd be the perfect manager because he also is a guy that's known to argue with umpires. And he's going to stand he stands up for his teammates. If, if Robinson gets thrown out, he's going to throw out someone on the other team. Would have worked out very well for Jackie Robinson. But he wound up getting suspended before the year because of his character, he associated with known gangsters like Bugsy Siegel. Wow. Because he also associated with Hollywood gangsters like George Raft because he left his wife for Lorraine Day, who was an actress. And then he wound up marrying her illegally because Lorraine Day was married. And she got a divorce. And in California, you had to wait two years before you got a divorce. They went to Mexico, got married. And all these things led the commissioner, along with being associated with, with gangsters, led the commissioner to suspend him before the 1947 season. So they wind up getting a guy called Bert Schotten, who was a retiree down in Florida, only managed the Phillies, and he won like 30% of his games. You wouldn't think he would be a very good manager for the Dodgers, but he was kind of like a Joe Torre guy that managed people really well. But what he didn't do was stick up for Robinson, which made uh, the 47 season a little bit harder for Jackie where if I felt if he had uh, Leo DeRocha, that all those situations where Robinson got thrown at or got spiked or something happened bad to him, DeRosha would have really answered back, and then he probably would have caused some sort of some sort of scene because Durocher was like that. He argued was like Earl Weaver, argued with umpires, stood up for his team, uh, and he was a very fiery guy. So that's a big part of the '47 season that most people don't realize. And then I had that thing I put together when I was at ESPN, which is, you know, numbers one to 42, something about his career. Uh, Like he won one MVP in 1949. Uh, That's what number one represents. Number two was like World Series homers. Three is how many times he was an all-star. Or, you know, each each number one to 42 represents a part of his career. Um, And another thing about him that people don't know is uh, for Dodger history, he is – the most seasons of scoring 99 runs or more I did it seven times more than Duke Snyder, more than Wee Reese, more than Pedro Guerrero, more than you know Steve Sachs or, or any great Dodger, uh, Dixie Walker, uh, Steve Garvey. Robinson was not only great for what he did in integrating, he was a great, great baseball player. And the only player that got more hits and scored more runs from 1947 to 1956 in Major League Baseball was Stan Musial. Uh, other than Jackie Robinson. So that's just gives you the kind of impact. The other impact he had was if you look at the all-star games, the national league integrated much faster than the American league. Uh, and they brought in guys like Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente, William McCovey. Um, yeah. You name it. There's, there's a, a, a ton of guys that were either Hispanic or African American uh, that, that, that that came into the national league starting in 1960 up to 1987 the National League won 23 of the 27 games that they played in the All-Star game because of that. They dominated the American League because they had guys that were better athletes uh, and that could play, uh, and they were much faster to integrate. So that's just some of the impact that Jackie Robinson had. Uh, and that's, that's what I've been doing around uh, the libraries around here. I got four more dates for the end of the summer than I got a couple in the fall. Um, and uh, it's it's something that they're, they're responding to, and I love doing it because it's 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 fun for me to educate people on it.
4: Hmm.
3: Well, we really appreciate all that information, man. And uh, Jackie Robinson uh, was a special player, and that's why uh, still to this day, uh, Jackie Robinson Day is always saluted by the major leagues. And and throughout the country, people, uh, what the major league does, uh, they all wear the number, uh, I'm I'm sorry, number uh, 42, 42, 42. I'm sorry, which Mm -hmm. the last person to actually wear it is Mariano Rivera. Yeah, uh, and after he retired, nobody else could wear that number now. So uh, every year, each team wears that number forty-two to represent and, and look uh, look forward to uh, Jackie Robinson's career. So uh, it's it's a great it's a great thing that baseball does, and and throughout the country because Jackie Robinson really changed the game. It's a great story, and it's so so much information. And I'm sure you have a lot more information about Jackie Robinson, but you put it all in one. Before we let you go. Um, Uh, Obviously, with the NFL season, what did you think about Terry uh, McLaren uh, signing that three-year deal today worth about $23.5 a a year, $53 million guaranteed? I did not think the commanders were going to get this done before the season started. I thought he was going to actually sit out or they were going to trade him. I mean, there were some talks that were going to flop – Switch, you know, I I think it was uh, with Seattle they were going to trade for um, Metcalf. Metcalf Metcalf going to the Commanders and the Commanders sending McLaren over there. There were stories and rumors coming out from that. Now, uh, obviously, it looks like uh, Metcalf is staying put over there in Seattle. He's expecting a big contract. And now McLaren is another guy off the board that got his extension where he's one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, just look at how many wide receivers got contracts this this year, so it's just the, the year to do it. I, I mean, a guy like McLaren doesn't have as much on his resume, but the Commanders haven't really done much. They needed something to, to get the fans excited and give them something to believe in.
3: Who was the last wide receiver on the the Washington Washington football team that actually stood out? Moss. I mean, honestly. Besides McLaren. Well, Santana Moss? Yeah. yeah it was well, about yeah, it. Coles
5: was there. Wasn't, wasn't Laverneus there for a little while? Later in his career. Uh, yeah, Laverneus yes. Coles
3: was washed up when he went over there. But
5: um, I mean, the guys I remember are obviously like Art Monk, Ricky Sanders. Um...
3: Right. Santana Moss is nowhere close to the play McLaren is. So it's. <laughs> I mean, to lose McLaren to obviously uh, a sign and trade or whatever was going to happen to him, that would have been a big mistake by the Commanders because it's not easy to find a breakout wide receiver that can do everything with the size and the ability and speed and the route running that he get, he delivers and he gives the Commanders. I think that it, it was a must move. It was a must important move for them. Carson Wentz needs weapons and they don't have any.
5: Yeah, well I think that whole division is up for grabs because the Giants aren't aren't you have no idea what they're gonna do. Didn't going they get the, the kid from Penn State?
3: What's John. that John Dotson, yep. They got Dotson too at the in the in the draft. Uh, but we don't. He's undersized. I, yeah,
1: what, he's a probably more of a slot guy. Yeah,
3: he reminds me of Lockett, but Lockett became more of an outside guy. I, I want to see what Dotson could do with his lack of size, but they say he could jump really high for his size. So he's got well, like I think a with 38- Carson Wentz
5: being there, though they they needed to get wide receivers to th- they could throw to. Him. I, I like Carson Wentz.
3: I, I thought he so had a very I. good year last year. So did I. I I, I feel bad. That Carson Wentz doesn't get the credit
1: that he deserves, but
5: again, it's mainly because of the
3: money.
1: It's not really because of his ability as
3: much. No, it's it's what he does off the field. Oh, I mean, well, that too. Yeah, he's right. not liked by That's the players. Funny. There were stories coming out that a lot, of, half the room didn't like him. That they didn't yeah, want to be around him.
5: You know, I know, and, I, know. I, I know. I mean, look, I'm sure it's legit. I mean, those things are kind of hard to understand. Who knows why that is? But, but it's but, weird I because. Mean, I watched I watched bits and pieces
3: of uh, recently of the Hard Knocks, uh, you know. Obviously for the regular season, yeah, they're regular doing season, that, yeah. and I it looked like he, they were getting along. He was doing basket, he, he was did. playing basketball with some of the players, the offensive <laughs> linemen, the defensive linemen. He looked like they, they were all getting along, and then all of a sudden you're hearing stories that uh, Frank Wright is is a big fan of Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. He's the reason why they drafted him in Philadelphia. And then he was so ecstatic when he brought him in there when I saw the hard knocks at the beginning. And then all of a sudden you just part ways with him. Uh, like that after one season. There had to be something going on in that locker room.
1: Not only that, that was the peak of their season. Remember how bad they started last year? Yeah. One and five, and they, they turned it around and looked like they, were, they should have gotten in the playoffs because they shouldn't have lost the Jaguars of all teams at right, the end exactly. of the season. But yeah. they were on a massive winning streak at that point during the hard knocks. I actually thought that was going to be something that might hinder them, like distract them a little bit. They actually played better, but maybe it did something to Carson Wentz off the field.
5: Mm. No, but I, I thought when, when they played the Jets on that Thursday night and they just licked them up, and I thought, man, this team could score. They had uh, the, the running back they had from Wisconsin. Taylor, yeah, uh, he, had, he had a great year. Um, and then Wentz, I thought Wentz was was perfect for their offense. Again, twenty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Play, and he played bad the last two games. So he was better than that for most of the season. And I, I thought they were going to be a, a team that could sneak in and surprise, like the way the Bengals did. If they got into playoffs, they just didn't make it. Yeah, they had the
1: defense and the running game. They had kind of the older identity because they didn't have much with the receivers outside of Michael Pittman. Pittman had a great year, though, too. He was a top-10 performance receiver last year with Wentz, too. Mm -hmm. So definitely it's kind of surprising in that regard, especially now trading for Matt Ryan. Yeah, he's a good quarterback. He's a good leader. But, again, he's coming off a rough year, too. So we'll see if they may end up making the right decision. But he's obviously a better leader than Wentz is.
5: But we we know uh, from those programs that, like, when John Gruden and Derek Carr uh, were so excited, that they were getting. Uh, what who's the name of the, the problem wide receiver that wound up signing with Tampa Bay that, that Brady talked to Antonio him into.
1: Brown. Yeah,
5: Antonio Brown. I mean, remember like, oh, Antonio's coming here. We're gonna have a great year. Uh, and then he tells you know Mike Mayak to go screw off, and and all these other problems happen during training camp. So you can be you can be tricked. I think a little bit. That's why it's TV.
3: Well, I I see. Trace says Wentz is a turnover machine. Uh, he he wasn't a turnover machine last year. He, he no, he had his most
1: efficient year yeah, last year. Yeah, he played
3: very well last year. I, I felt bad for him that Indianapolis threw him really to the dogs, threw him to the wolves in the offseason. Now, I understand that some players that don't get along with him, but I heard that about certain players in the past. I mean, Brett Favre wasn't liked by many people. Many people. There's a lot of people that don't like Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so... And he's he just got a fifty million dollar contract a year, highest paid contract in NFL history over there with Green Bay. So to say that well he's not efficient, I wouldn't say he's not efficient. Other years,
1: thought, yes, but not last year. Last year he was very efficient. Well,
3: so, and now he's going to the Commanders that they they, they had to sign McLaren. It right. was a very important move by them because they need weapons for him. So and 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 the Commanders could really surprise a lot of people this year because. Their defense took you know steps forward last year. They right, played they very do. well in the second half. I, I think they were fifth or sixth in sacks in the second yeah, half Yeah, their D-line was
1: really good. Their secondary is what struggled last year. But maybe the second year of a scheme could help them out. Though, they also too. made
3: some moves in the offseason to help that secondary.
1: Yeah. Out. But, no, they they brought into the two corners all at once, Fuller and then William Jackson last oh, year so. too. And they both kind of struggled their first year back in that scheme. But maybe the second year uh, gives them a little more of a chance – in Ron Rivera's defense, is Matt?
3: Is he's saying Matt Matt Ryan is an upgrade over the Wentz? A little, he? but not I much. Know. I don't know I, I don't about th- that.
1: I don't. I don't think he's uh, like he probably is, but it's not a drastic one. I, I don't know about. They're that. There's still going to be a running team first.
3: First of all, Matt Ryan
1: is like eighty years old in, in quarterback <laughs> uh, years. He he's,
3: he's, he's not the same. He's not the same guy he was you know, know, five, four years ago. He, you forget now, if he was five or six years ago where he was one of the elite quarterbacks in the league and he was an MVP candidate or won the MVP, yes, yeah. he's better right. than Carlson Wentz. But right now, Carlson Wentz is in the prime of his career. He's 27, right. 26 years old or 28 years old. And and Matt Ryan's like 37, 38.
5: I know. And it just didn't make any sense because you can keep building with Wentz. I thought he was getting bigger to get better and better.
3: Yeah, so did um, I. I, I. It also, didn't make any sense.
5: Pierre Garcon was the last guy to really have big big numbers for the Redskins at wide receiver. That was only like one year, though. That right? was one year. Yeah, yeah. they had two.
1: They had two years. Two years, okay. But, but even so, he's not he's thing. not more skilled McLaren, than Santana Moss McLaren, or
3: McLaurin. McLaurin no. is McLaurin is like their their first guy that really stands out that they drafted. I mean, Santana really? Moss Santana Moss came from the Jets,
5: right? I know. So if it, they graded the Jets if they got him. Remember, they got like three three Jack and. Two, including John Hall. Mm-hmm. Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah then remember.
1: Lavernius Coles like you were saying before. Mm-hmm. And then I think even they got somebody on their offensive line or something too. No, they no they
5: got the kick return. that returned two kicks for touchdown against Buffalo opening day in 2002. Okay. Uh, Chad Chad, uh, Chad Morton.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, says Matt Ryan is 750 years old and yeah. smell like pee. And the same guy helped screw up the Super Bowl again. I, we, we've gone over this before. It's not all his fault. No, it's not. And and Matt
3: Ryan, Matt Ryan's old, and I think Matt Ryan's still good. He played very well with Atlanta last year with the weapons that they had. Yeah, uh, what, yeah, what, well,
5: yeah. He wasn't the problem. No, I mean, but their defense was like one of the worst ever. He,
3: but to say that he's an upgrade over Carson Wentz, I no. think that's I think that's a little too far. Are you all serious, yeah. Errol, and Speedy? Wentz was going to get better and better, LOL. He reached his potential, and his leadership has been in question. Yes, that that's probably the
1: problem. That's why he's his been leadership, around. Yeah. His
3: leadership, but... His game, is not; it could get better. I mean, he's only 27 years
1: old. Trey, you're talking to somebody that was very critical of Wentz like three years ago. Like He had an efficient year. I would give him credit for that. Yeah, I, I, I never loved him out of the draft. He had a big arm. I understood that. But he was also very turnover prone. I understand that. But he had an efficient year last year that was pretty similar. How is a 37,
3: 38-year-old better than a 27-year-old? But How does guys,
5: also, remember this. Like There were quarterbacks like Rich Gannon who struggled for a long time. And then all of a sudden found it at the end of their career. Um, And I thought Wentz was much better already at that point in his career.
1: I think the injuries also hindered him, too, because he used to be very mobile, too, not being able to throw on the run, too. So I think that hindered him in terms of what his full potential could have been, having the two major injuries all right away. Uh, Snook says he seems like kind of a dick on Hard Knocks. I could see why dudes don't like him. Well, yeah, that's the, le- that's the leadership aspect. And the one- last thing we say, because we've got to go to break soon, I was going to mention that him being bumped around so much, maybe the scheme did help him too to an extent, Trey, but also you got to remember I don't think Washington is doing anything drastic to their offensive scheme with the coaching staff they had here where he's not going to be as efficient either. They have more of a traditional coaching staff that's going to be very run and motion heavy with the gadget
5: players and now McLaurin being signed. Real yeah. quick, Errol. Do uh, you ahead. remember the, the last Met to wear number 42? The last Met to wear number
3: 42. I mean, Speedy,
5: if you don't know, I'm going to be disappointed.
3: Alfonso? No, Alfonso, what, 13? I don't know. I was taking a guess.
1: Who, who was it? You want to guess, Speedy? No, we have to go to break soon, so just say it. Butch Husky. Okay. If you look at the numbers, I mean –
3: Carson Wentz had a better completion percentage. He had um Ryan had 400 more yards, but Carson Wentz had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions to Ryan's 20 to 12. Uh, I I and he and his quarterback Carson Wentz's quarterback rating was better than Ryan's. Yeah, I, I would I'd say Carson sense. Wentz had a better year. And and, and you're trading but Ryan has you know he is taking a team to a Super Bowl Carson Wentz has not.
5: Right. He's, like won a Super Bowl. He he's won a <laughs> Super Bowl. He's, he's a won he's a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> how many? How many good years do you think you, they, they'll get
3: out of Ryan? Um, two, two
1: years. Two. Because he's also streaky year to year too. Yeah, two, I I years. two years is fair.
5: I'd say two years.
3: And they could have a good year this year if their offensive line stays healthy. They they added they added another weapon at that wide receiving position. So. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be a very dangerous team and they have Taylor who was a, you know a breakout running back last year. I think he's going to have a fantastic year again. Teams know about him but I still think he, if he can stay healthy he's a dominant force.
5: So All right. You guys got to go to break.
3: Yes. Yeah, we have our guest.
5: All right, guys Thanks mark, for having me on. Mark yes, thank you for soon. joining us okay guys be good
3: mark every Kelly ladies and gentlemen he was fantastic and he gave you his thoughts of mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson very brilliantly done yes he, he he's good in detail with yes, everything he that he does he looks everything and he search all the content that he needs to talk about it and and it's fantastic he he really is good he's he's a great writer too he really is and uh you know he's been through so much stuff in the last couple of years so Mark, uh, you know, I only wish the best for him, and thank God he's healthy right now, and he's he's moving forward, not backwards. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to former 49ers, Packers, and Broncos linebacker Dyrell Briggs here on the Sports Loudmouths.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths.
3: Ooh, I like this. I know Dire likes this. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loudmouth 631-672-3108. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, we've had so many guests. Uh, we had Jeff, uh, you know, button in like he always does. Uh, we had Mark Everett Kelly. We had Dylan Ferguson. And now we have our second guest. I know he was at his daughter's, uh, f- what was it, baseball game? Softball, Softball game? last week. Yep. Softball game. So we couldn't get him on last week, but we have him on. Finally, uh, we haven't spoken to, to him in a while. We are now talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker Darrell Briggs. What's going on, Darrell?
6: Hey, hey! How you guys doing? You guys can hear me good, right? We can hear you mm-hmm. good,
3: man. I remember the last time we had you on—we had you on phone. We didn't have yep. you on picture, so now we got a chance to see you. How are you been? How how's your family been from all this COVID situation? We haven't spoken to you for a while. Uh, how are you feeling? Did you get COVID? Did anybody in your family get COVID?
6: Well, um, actually, uh, it's, first of all, it's an honor to be on you guys' show. Thank you, uh, my appreciate friend. it, man. Thank you. Um, Love you guys' work, man. I love the energy, man. I just love what you guys doing, and I, and the way you guys going, man. I I, I wouldn't be surprised in a few years, man. This would be a huge, huge you, show, bro. bigger than what it is, Thank you know. You, bro. So, we really so good luck with that, it. fellas, man, and everything. But um, my family been good, man. Um, I got my fo- I got two girls that's going into freshman year, um, high school, and they're both playing volleyball. One just got finished playing softball, um, and then I got my son he's 10 he's um starring tennis he had his first tennis lessons today he, he's he's like the first kid in the family right now playing tennis and i'm like go ahead you know he's a big boy i want to play football but you know he he, he was inspired by the movie um that came out with serena and mm-hmm. you know venus so i'm like man i'm all for it man like like i'm like my model man if we're gonna do it man we're gonna give it an all and we're gonna go hard you know so that, that's cool um but yeah, the family is good. You know, I got my baby that I mm-hmm. just had um, mm-hmm. not too long ago. A year ago. Congratulations! Uh, yeah. Appreciate it. She was um, born with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. so that's a little bit of a handful. But mm-hmm. it's it's been fun. You know, just learning and uh, um, actually it's actually just being prepared already because I deal with kids with special needs as it is.
3: We were talking about how much time you put into autistic children and, and special needed children. So we really respect everything that you've done in the community after football. As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker, Dyrell Briggs. Uh, so we look at your career and we, we spoke about this before and you played for three really good teams, three really mm-hmm. Uh, teams that have won Super Bowls in different decades, the 49ers in the 80s and in, in the early late 70s, they were dominant. The Packers really were dominant in the 90s and now this new era. And, and then the Broncos, the 90s, they were fantastic. And now they're starting to build now with Russell Wilson. What was it like playing for three top teams in the NFL?
6: It was just an honor, first of all, to play in the NFL. And then second of all, you were absolutely right, to play with teams that had that type of tradition of winning. You know, it's, um, it, it was a great experience, you know, from each, you know, team, you know, you got to see their type of way of how they, you know, approach the game, you know, the different type of hall of famers from me meeting Jerry Rice, being around Aaron Rodgers and seeing Brett Farb, you know, and, um, even being in that Denver Broncos, you know, area actually being, um, close to, you know, playing side to side to Tim Tebow, you know, it was just a great, it was a great experience, man. And, um. Sometimes, you know, I I really um, forget that, not even forget, but sometimes I, you know, tend to, you know, not to really think about that great experience of playing for that great team. Like, you know, it, as much as I want to play for the Bengals, I love them. But, you know, playing for them teams, you know, it was it was something else. It was championship in the DNA. Mm. Like I said, it was, just, it was just like the way you walk and the way you talk, you know, it was different.
1: So the the Packers, in addition to being a very well-run uh, organization, except until recently, but... They also are a very good football culture, too. It's like a cult following what they have over there. So what were some of those experiences like off the field? They do all these different
6: events. Oh. So so for me, what I loved about just the culture and just how they bleed, you know, that green and yellow, was the fact that um, you had houses that was right by the stadium that were all decked, out, packed houses. And they were houses that, you know, that was rented to players. You know, because you know, as you play the season, you know, depending on if you got a loan contract, and sometimes that's not even guaranteed, usually just rent or stay in a hotel. But it was a lot easier to have fans like that. It, that was that was Dalhardt fans that let you rent the house or let you stay there for free, you know, just because the strength of they're loving the team. And then two things that I experienced there that was really amazing. One is the whole riding bikes during the camps. You know, that was awesome because I love the kids. So to me that was just something that make you feel like to them that you're human. Like you're not just no super not you you like you're just a human being that you know has a heart and that loves kids. And then not only that, when it was game time, you're talking about The whole town Mm. shut down. You know, it was like, no one in sight, you know. You know, it's like, it it was quiet, and it was just a love. Like, nothing against Denver or San Fran, but playing there, it was just a different atmosphere, man. It was just a different type of, you know, love. It was like probably when I really realized that, dude, I'm in the NFL. Mm. Like, you know, so.
3: As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker, Dyrell Briggs. Dyrell, I know you watched a little bit of the NFL season this year. Uh, the Packers had a sensational year. Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in the league, the MVP, back-to-back years. He's been as dominant as a quarterback as we've ever seen. Uh, you, did, you obviously know Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people have said some nasty things about him, teammates. But we've had teammates on the show over the last two years said that He's one of the best leaders you can possibly know. He was a he's a great guy. I, I think people just misunderstand him as a player if you're not in the locker room. What was your what was your time like over there with the Packers, and how did you feel? And how could what could you say about Aaron Rodgers that you've learned the little bit of time that you were there with him?
6: Well, um, honestly, for me, my experience over there. First of all, I was a guy that came mid-season. You know that was during the time that they had um, um, a lot of injuries. You know, and um, and they were just trying to get guys to come in to jail, You know, to to get to you know that chip at the time. Didn't nobody really know they were. You know, we were gonna do that, but to get to that chip. So on my, this is how, this is to let you know what type of person he was. Okay, and a leader. What showed his leader. You know, mentality. When I first got there, obviously, I was Clay Matthews' backup. So, I was on that second-team defense. And, you know, and and when you're playing that second-team defense, man, you're trying to get to that first team. So, you're giving it your all. You know, you're going against the ones. So, I'm going against the ones, you know, making moves, getting close to him, but not touching him because you got to stay off the QB. You know, and after I get a good five or six good rushes on him and it's now uh, first-team defense and now second-team, oh, he comes up to me and, hey, I like your fire, man. We got to get you out on the field. You you keep bringing that pressure on me, and I'm like, "Whoa, like, okay, you know, you know, I I, I like that. That makes me want to go harder for him. You know, he was just so that was just something that lets me know, okay, this guy is not a, you know, stuck up guy, guy that's going to be like, oh, it's it's this or this and that. You know, it was a guy that was down to earth that understood that it takes everybody from. You know, from the locker room, from the towel guy to the guys that's not playing to special teams, the winning championship. And that's how he approached it. You know, Um, uh, and to answer your question, does you give another example? we leading on to the next to camp. You know, we lean on to camp. The following year, he was the type of guy guys when, the, he you know, quarterbacks that have their you know everybody have their groups where they break off and watch film, but the majority of the time the quarterbacks either get out first or to our dorm room. So he'd get out early, man, and being the cat that he was, he he is sat up and hide in bushes <laughs> and wait for the rookies to come and shoot. You know, be little little bean bags, you know, and pesting the you know what bean was I think it was uh I'm sorry. Uh, BBs and, you know, water balloons and throw them at them, you know. What does this had, sound hey, like, Speedy? And it was just that type of, you know, initiating, like, welcome to the family, man. I'm no bigger than nobody. We joke around type of love, man. He was just one of those guys that, honestly, I felt like people read him wrong. He was just a guy that was competitive and wanted to win, but understood that it took everybody, you know, so... To me, he welcomed me in with all arms. And clearly, I'm not a receiver or, you know, offensive lineman or play offense. But as a defense and being a guy that wasn't the number one guy, he made me feel like I was just as important as the number one guy, you know. So
1: So we actually – I want to shift to the your time with, with the Broncos for a little bit. One of the guests we had on at the beginning of the year, great guy, named, uh, Brandon Lloyd. Do you have any good stories with him?
6: Now, Brandon Lloyd, he was uh, – I think I want to say he was probably a little bit after me, or he probably was there. I'm not for sure, but I do remember a glimpse of him watching him from the 49ers and 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 practice. You know what? He was there because it was a lot of it was a lot of other guys that I thought was very good. I think Joffrey or one another, play. but what I loved about Brandon, he was the type of guy. Honestly, he was the how should I say this? He was the spectacular catch of. What's the guy named um, Odell Beckham before mm. Odell Beckham? Mm. If people watched him, that dude used to make some amazing catches, and he worked hard, you know. But he, but he also he also carried a swagger to him, like he was very confident, man. But he played, you know, he played hard. I love him. Mm. If a lot of people watch, you know, go back and watch him, man. He was a guy that made some tough catches, and he ran hard. But in practice, he was he was a tough guy. You ain't want to cross him. <laughs>
3: We are talking to former 49ers, Packers, and Broncos linebacker, Dyrell Briggs. Uh, yet last year, the Rams win the Super Bowl, and it was all season long. A lot of people thought they were trading away chips. They traded away practically their whole draft. Uh, they, they This offseason, they, they paid Aaron Donald. They paid Cooper Cup. But what were your thoughts last year, bringing in Matthew Stafford, really – giving that team the swagger that they needed to win a Super Bowl and be the second team back-to-back years to win a Super Bowl at their home stadium?
6: Well, I think um, the most important part to having a, a good championship team is not just having a great quarterback as in statistics and on, but a leader. You know, somebody to be able to to bring everybody together and, and, and want to, you know, understand that it's not about You is about we. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and from what I looked at, that team had already had a great chemistry when it came to defense because I'm a true believer that the up front is what wins the game. And that's offense, O-line and D-line, you know, because you can put a great quarterback there, but if he ain't got no guys to protect him, he just become average, you know. So, if anything, it just, you know, it just told me and showed me that that guy came in there and he got respect and that team loved him, and he ran with, and he knew what to do, you know. And and, and after being a veteran so so long in the game, and man, and being close, man, you know, you know, you couldn't really fumble that, you know, that piece of art that's over there, you know, with the Rams because that's that's a stacked team, like you mm-hmm. said. So he was just like that 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 piece of the puzzle they were probably missing, you know.
1: So speaking of the Rams, they've been one of the biggest beneficiaries of what has been kind of a player-run league now a lot of the time. Now, I don't know if it's at the same level of something like the NBA yet, but you're definitely seeing these quarterbacks, these wide receivers. Not these things t- like the NBA. Well, obviously, but these, these top quarterbacks, these top wide receivers seem to have leverage. And you saw the Rams really strive off that with guys like Jalen Ramsey, who wanted out. Matthew Stafford wanted out. Even Andrew Whitworth, kind of a sour ending in Cincinnati. So do you think it'll come to the point where it's not necessarily as drastic as the NBA, but maybe becomes a predominantly player-run league?
6: I think it will. Just how things are going now, you know, it's time and a place to do things. And I don't fault people if it's for a good reason, but I'm very competitive, man. You know, I'm the type of person, I like to get it out of the dirt, you know. If, if if I can make this team grind and we can get to the chip, you know, let's do it. I'm not trying to look a team up unless it's somebody, you know, that I, you know, have family with, you know, grew up and played with. But, you know, I think that eventually it probably will become that, but I highly doubt it. You know, because it's not as free as the NBA. I love the hit. nothing. No shots to the NBA, but look, NBA just ran a little bit different than the NFL. So yeah, you have LeBron but, you James know. running the world. Yep. With that being said, I'm a and I'm an Ohio guy. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a little bit different because it's not one person in the NFL that right. represents the NFL. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. I
3: I get it. As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers, Packers, and Broncos linebacker Dyrell Briggs. Well, I, I mean, we've seen so many linebackers in this league uh, change the game. Could you name the linebacker when you played in the game that you remember that changed the game? And do you do you see somebody that is in the league right now, a linebacker, that is going to change the speed of the game now than it did when you played? The
6: linebacker that really changed the game for me growing up was Suggs. Mm-hmm. Terrell Suggs. And the only reason he changed because when I was coming up, I was watching him in college. I think it was the senior year, and he had the top sacks in a college NCAA. And I was like, yo, I need to, I need to, that's where I want to be, you know, because I, I had the body shape because I was never a guy that was 6'4, 250, 260 natural. I was just a lean guy that knew how to get to the QB, you know, and uh, just watching him. And seeing that a lot of people start going to that 3-4 type, that, that hybrid drop, you know, was perfect for me. I loved it, you know, because when I got to San Fran, they still had that one rush outside linebacker and one drop, which was Manny and the other one, R.P., my guy, Perry Harrelson, you know, he was the rusher, you know. And then when I came to the league, that's that it took the quarterback, but also dropping coverage. So with that being said, to answer your question, you know, it was t And then after I was done, I love Von Miller, mm. you know. But it's so much going on, me personally. But I really love the guy, the Bengals, man. Mm. I think it was number 99. It was the DN. I know he ain't a linebacker, but I, I just love his style. He, he, he reminds me of a hard-nosed guy that just come. Full tilt every you know every play.
1: Oh, by the way, I know you were teammates with Perry Paris Harrelson. I'm uh, sending uh, sending condolences. I know you're probably close with him. Uh, he pa- obviously passing away the last time since we were yes. on the show.
3: R.I.P. Rest in peace. Yes, and, and hopefully him and his family. Uh, well, his family is uh, you know doing better. I mean, I I could I, I lost I lost a cousin. I lost a nephew this year early mm-hmm. in this this year. So I know what it's like to oh wow to miss family members and lose family members that early. So.
1: Yeah, so um, you mentioned Cincinnati, and uh, I, I see you're on your Instagram, your uh, your Instagram is at. Cincinnati 1985 DB. So the Cincinnati football community, I mean, they, they've got to be on cloud nine right now between the Cincinnati Bearcats, what they did in the college football season, making the playoff as a non-Power Five, and then the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. So have you gotten in, uh, accustomed with the football culture over there in Cincinnati? And if so, what was that like?
6: Being that um, I'm from Cincinnati, I was a little bitter taste because, you know, coming out at the time, nobody, they didn't pick me or looked at me. You know, <laughs> it's kind of upset because I would love to play for my home team because growing up, up, that's what we were like Bengals I'm talking about the great thing about playing for San Fran was I got to play next to guys that I watched us draft mm-hmm. and I love like Tequila Spikes mm-hmm. Justin Smith you know I got to play with even at the time um, outside linebacker it comes to me later um, but yeah um, Patrick but watching that team and watching Bearcats because my nephew name is Kenyon and my sister named him after Kenyon Martin at the time. So <laughs> his name Kenyon DeMar Johnson. So that didn't tell you how much we were diehard fans. So, you know, during this time, I had a bitter taste. So I hated it. I felt like we had a curse, especially the Bengals, because we have good teams. We get to the playoff or something like the ankle with mm-hmm. Carlson Palmer happened or, you know, we just couldn't get over. So being that I haven't been really watching football, my sister like, oh, we winning. We got that boy Chase. We looking good. They all young. He's having a good year being ranked, and she calling me, going crazy, and then we get to the playoffs with the Bengals. The next you know, we win the Super Bowl. It was just like nonstop calling me, everybody on my Facebook. You should have been a bingo, and this and that. Like, you know, so it was pretty crazy, man. I'm not going to lie. It made me become a, a fan again for the Bengals, man. I I probably, because some people think I'm a, a bandwagger, but you know, I represent the teams that I played for, but I still always have love for my hometown team, because that's my, my stripes. That's where I came from. So the, the seed that the year that them boys put in this year, I give respect and his love, and I became a fan. You know, I just I just pray that, you know, the, that they continue to do it and stay healthy.
3: As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker, Dyrell Briggs. Last question for me. Um, you're, this season coming up, there's a lot of teams and a, a, a big transition with the NFC and the AFC. A lot of the NFC quarterbacks are moving to the AFC. And the dominance of the NFC for I would say the last ten years has been definitely it definitely stands it stands out. I mean, with Tampa being there, uh, with Tom Brady moving over there, you have uh, obviously Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson, all these different quarterbacks, and all the dominance of the NFC. Now it's transition with that uh, AFC West, with uh, you know uh, the Chargers being as dominant as they are, the Broncos and. And uh, the, uh, the, um, the Las Raiders, Vegas yeah. Raiders and all the different teams that are there. And then with all the transition with uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers adding the quarterback uh, in the draft and, and, and all these teams upgraded, the AFC has been more dominant, could be more dominant than the NFC for the first time in a very long time. When you look at the transition of both leagues, what stands out? What's, what do you believe is going to stand out the most this year?
6: Me, I'm a man, I, I'm honestly a firm believer is chemistry, you know, it's chemistry and, and 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 for real being healthy, you know. I think that's what's gonna stay on in defense, you know, because I'm a true firm believer of that because defense win championships, man. That's what's gonna get you, you know, that over that hump, man. That and and, and shout out to my guy special team. I can't forget about special team. That's what I think makes the, the the difference maker than anything you know and you know with a lot of these transitions and you know a lot of things going it's still to me you know any given Sunday you know mm-hmm. and and I just think that being more prepared and understanding the aspect of your defense being good your special teams being good and having that chemistry is great you know because I know when you look at the Green Bay Packers you know um at that time back then, I don't even think we did that well in preseason or in the beginning of the season, because sometimes we call it the pretenders in the first of the few months. And then the contenders at the end of the month, because that's when it counts. Cause you could be cooking in the beginning of the season and then during that, that break of the next half Mm -hmm. of the season and you go down that man, it could be bad, man, you know, so that that's really what I truly, you know, feel, you know, um, going into the next year, man, it's really, you know, up in the air, unless I could see a team, you know, that I'm there or watching closely to seeing the chemistry and seeing the special teams and just seeing them clicking, man. So.
1: So my last question, just any, since the last time we've had you on the show, is there any been, uh, what have been some of the notable events you've done in terms of your work with the kids with disabilities and what are some of the help things that you've done to help raise awareness for it?
6: Well, um, well, what I'm working with uh, my company, we went to a um, expo, autism expo, where you know we had an opportunity to one, just give more resources to you know families and 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 just people in general about the autism and what we offer. You know, and me. Already putting together a uh, um, kind of more of a work exercise um, type of program for kids with autism because, um, with that, um, it helps with coordination, it helps mm-hmm. with you know just a lot of the things that you know a lot of kids that um, with autism can benefit for from coordination, from balance, man, from, you know, just a lot. And and it's allowed me to just be able to express that more because now with the kids being inside, man, they're, they're gaining weight, man. And, and it just, it's, it's a healthy thing, you know, it's health, you know, and, and I think that's um, been my whole push was that, you know, I may not be, you know, the best when it comes to the research and whatnot, but I know for sure what exercise does to the mind, body, and the soul, you know, and what I've learned about how it can help, you know, uh, you know, benefit for kids with special needs, knowing that now that I have a daughter with special needs, um, it's just, it's just been really been my push, man. It's just exercise, 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 you know? So, um, that's kind of been an event that I have. Um, I'm also trying to put together another event, um, for um, autism, for um, just more resources, just just trying to get more awareness out there, man, in different cities and even in different countries because a lot of people don't know in different countries it's kids that's just the same that autism, but over there it's kind of shunned upon, you know, or they don't have the resources or, you know, they get left behind. And, mm. and the one thing about Mr. Darrell Briggs, he'll never want a kid left behind, so...
3: That's that's awesome. Great you're a special yeah. you're a special person, man. As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker Tyrell Briggs. Anything you need from us or you want us to do an event over here, bring you over here, we can work, we know a lot of people out here. I know a lot of people out here. If you want to do an event out here,
1: Speedy right here, he he actually is autistic. Mm-hmm. So, and I knew a lot of people growing up with a lot of the same things that your daughter was going through too. So, I sympathize with every one of them. I knew a lot of, a lot of what they went through. So I, I don't have it to the same level as those people did, and I, I, I struggle watching them having to go through what they do every day. So uh, always supporting your
6: daughter and all the other kids you work with with all that. Chris. Absolutely. But see, but see, what I love is, look, Speedy, look, you are awesome, dude. Look at that. You, Thank you, You man. wouldn't even notice. That's what I love about my kids, man, is because once they get something, they master it, and it's brilliant, mm. man, because everybody can't do that. So I love it, man. I'm sorry. That gives me the chills, bro. Mm. I appreciate it, man. You know, that's something that I'd love to do is to get out there and we have a, a huge event. Maybe I can sign autographs, man. We we should definitely link up and do something like that, man. But mm. once again, it's a pleasure being on Loud Mouths, man. Hey, man, like I said, I wish you guys the Best man. And if you ain't if you stay in tune right now, please lock into these guys, man. Roll with these guys, man, because they're doing something great, man. And you want to be a part of this ride. I tell you guys. So I appreciate it, fellas. Thank
1: you so much, man.
3: Thank you, Dyrell. And we'll we'll be in touch. Uh this time, Speedy and I would like to do an event with you. And uh we know Gary Brown out here. He does a lot of events over here for Toys for Tots. So I know you know Gary. Dick,
6: me and him were very close. We used to do an event with one of our doctors, a discussion event. You know, we come together and talk about concussions, man, and do a lot of things, man. And me and him begin to, you know, really, you know, click and bomb, man. He does a lot of stuff out there, man. That man is involved, mm-hmm. man. And um, I, I would definitely love to be with, be with, you know, even be close to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's he really inspires me. So that's something that I'm gonna reach out to him, let him know. I'm like, listen, dude, I got some guys that, you know, I don't know if you talk to him, but they willing, you know, they brought your name up, and I think it'd be great that. That we could just get something going, man. Dude, that just, I'm glad you said something about that, man. I'm going to mm. really reach out to him, man. Maybe we could really get Absolutely.
3: something going, We should We should definitely do something out here. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of events and places that we can do it, and Uh, It could definitely bring a lot of people together. There's a lot of autism over here, a lot of people, special needed kids that need to help. So and like I said, Speedy's autistic and you wouldn't even know that he's autistic. And that's that's what makes it so special that if you put the time and energy into what you do and you work really, really hard. I remember when he started here, he was horrible. And and I sat here and I worked with him and. Uh, he's become a, a, a natural talent, and, and it's amazing. If you put the time and you work in it, it doesn't matter what you are. artistic, it doesn't matter. You, If you put the time in, you work hard enough, you can do anything you want, it, want to. So it, it's an amazing story.
6: Yes, yes, and I'm a firm believer behind my God. No matter what you do, if you put the work into it, it will come to you. I, I don't care what it is. If you put the work, it will come to you. And shout out and love and inspiration to my guy, Speedy! <laughs> Thank
3: you so much, man. <laughs> Thank you, Dyrell. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you, Dyrell.
1: All right, man. Y'all have a good one. Yes. Thanks for joining us, man.
3: Dyrrell Briggs, fantastic guy, as everybody knows. Uh, great personality, oh, yeah. too. He really is. He's a good guy.
5: Amazing and, guy.
3: Yeah, and and he, he does so much for the children out where he's from. And, and uh, like he, like, like you said, he just had a, a daughter with, you know, obviously special needed uh, child who he, you he's, he's put so much time into the children out there. It's just amazing. It, it's amazing. When, Cause I couldn't, I, I always said, I, I don't know how I could handle, you know, with the special needed kid. Cause it's, it, it's a lot, you got to put a lot of time, a lot more time yep. into the children uh, to make sure that they get what they need to, to be successful. and, I just think it's a great story, and Dyrell is a person that you can tell, personality wise, and and who he is as a person, as a uh, entrepreneur, and all that other stuff. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah, so, I mean,
1: he, he does it so much, He's not only with his daughter, but with so many kids, with yeah. so many different events, so many different so many different circumstances that they come through, and those kids get uplifted by those kinds of things. That it's it's a lifetime experience. It's a once in a lifetime experience for. For for them a lot of the time, too, because they don't get those kind of same circumstances and privileges, If between it's whether it's a mental disability, a physical mm-hmm. disability. Mm-hmm. And it's just remarkable that guys like Dyrell are out there really uplifting and supporting just everything that they do and making it something that they can enjoy and never forget. As far as the
3: NHL playoffs, and I know a lot of people, I was waiting to talk about this because – we all knew what was going to happen in the series. In Tampa, yes, they were fighting injuries. We we heard what Cooper said at the end of the series and that uh, McDonough was hurt. Uh, Braden Point has so many injuries. Uh, Kucherov was hurt. Half the team was hurt. And that's with any team in the playoffs. Playing a significant amount of time, playing series after series after series, 82 games in a season. I mean, it's a lot of traveling, We understand every single player's hurt. This is a brutal sport. Probably the the most brutal sport out of all the sports. But to make it... I I just think the... I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are trying to find excuses on why they lost the series. And not really stating that the Avalanche was the better team. And I think throughout the playoffs... And this is a team that was ready to win two years ago. Mm -hmm. They had the talent. They just couldn't get it together at the goaltending position. Finally, they had two... Really good goaltenders this year. Uh, both of them played, I, I think, almost the same amount. But obviously, they showed up in the playoffs, and that's what they were missing. They have a great defense, they have a great coach, and they have a great offense. They have a great young star in McKin- McKinnon and the, uh, McCarr, M- McCarr who is a fantastic defenseman. Smith now yeah. Too. So <laughs> I, I think they were they're a fantastic built team, and they're going to be good for many, many years. Joe Sakic has one of the youngest. Most talented teams in the NHL, and like I said, he still has one of the best farm systems in hockey. They had a tremendous amount of prospects coming up, so uh, I'm not surprised that the Avalanche won. I the Avalanche could have won the last two years just as much as the Tampa Bay Lightning did. I just think the t- Tampa Bay Lightning are getting older. They have some good young players. They made a trade at the trade deadline, adding um, Hagel. Well, Hagel, who by the way wasn't wasn't healthy either in this series, but they're they're coming I think their reign as the dominant force that they have been over the last couple of years is coming slowly to an end. You have the Rangers that are a young team, the Islanders the washington capitals they're, they're the Washington capitals are an old team but yeah, they're kind
5: of old. they're
3: they're they're bringing up players too now. Philadelphia is a young team that's going to be up and coming uh in the eastern Conference so uh there's a lot of different teams that are going to be better next year because of the youth so I, I think that when you look at the Tampa Bay, I think they're going to be good next year. I'm not saying that they're not going to be good. Right. Uh, they'll be good. They have Veselowski who's still fairly young, and he's an elite goaltender. They still have Kucherov and and Stamkos or Stamkos. But I, I just there's something about this team. There was something off, and everybody says, "Well, what are they off?" They made the they made the finals. They were the best team in the East again this year. There's I think they're slower, and it just maybe because of injuries. I don't know, but they're a lot older than they were the last three years.
1: Eventually, the rain is going to wear out, and it's very hard to 3 in any sport. I think the last team to do it was the—, the Islanders. Uh— no, in any sport. In hockey. In hockey it's the Islanders. Hockey. Yeah, yeah. I think the last team in any sport was Don't the Don't
3: talk about any sport. Hockey's different from any of other sport. Of course. Sports.
1: But yeah, the Islanders are the last one to three-peat in hockey. So definitely the wear and tear, especially with those veteran players, are going to get you. And that's why the Lightning had to make those trades. They traded for Brandon Hagel at the trade deadline. They traded for Nick Paul from the Ottawa Senators at the trade deadline who played a third-line, sometimes second-line center-type role. And those guys are going to be featured more and more in this offense on a more regular basis because of the wear and tear that our other, these other guys are going through. Now, Stamkos was healthy this year, but he's been injury-prone the last couple of years. Now, Brady Point, who was kind of taking over that role as being the healthy, young, flashy guy, he was hurt a lot this year, too. So, will he be able to stay healthy through a longer trajectory? Kucherov's always been in and out with injury and has barely played in the regular season recently. So, it's going to be an interesting trajectory, and the biggest thing is, how can they manage it now with the cap, too? Because they've done well in terms of making good trades and signing good veterans so far, but they're going to have to pay Hagel at some point if they want to hang on to him. Point is going to be expecting a pretty big contract if he stays healthy, so that's the next step for them to manage. I don't he's Stamkos level or Kucherov level. Not yet, but I think he's on that trajectory right now if he stays healthy. That's the big key. Well, he is going to be 27
3: next year, so he's getting yeah, up there in I age. think he's
1: gotten better, though, year to year. Remember, he was he was thought of as a late bloomer. A late, late bloomer that he, remember, he, when he came up, He started on that third line on that 18 team that went to the West, uh, Eastern Conference Finals and lost against Washington. And since then, he's kind of grown into a bigger role. So eventually, when he gets that bigger role, I think he'll be able to showcase the point totals a lot higher, where he might be deserving of that kind of money. All time, yeah, we'll see if he's Stamkos or Kucherov down the road. Probably not going to happen, but he's going to be in that kind of bigger role with the team. Now, the one thing the Lightning do have still is I think they still have that system that ends up working where guys have plugged in well. Hagel plugged in well. A lot of the veteran guys plugged in well with some of the veteran guys still left that they had from that team. So that's going to be interesting to see how John Cooper keeps it going. But the one thing they don't have that they were able to replace him so well with is uh, Stevie Eiserman, who's now in Detroit. So will their new GM be able to make those same kind of moves?
3: And it's not that easy, as we've seen. Joe Sackick, what he's done with the Avalanche has been absolutely unbelievable. and. Where Chris Jury take over for the Rangers? Now we'll see what he can do rebuilding his team because it wasn't his team that was built. No. He took over a team, he brought some players in at the trade deadline. It worked. They brought in uh, Gallant, who had his first year. It could be the furthest they can go now with under Gallant. We'll see how they 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 take either two steps back next year or two steps forward next year. So with Gerard Gallant, it sometimes teams you know hit their you know. Their top, you know, the top speed the first year, and then fall all the way apart. We've seen this before. Mm-hmm. So uh, Barry Trotz was with the Islanders for four years. Uh, the Islanders completely transitioned and completely changed their team. As, as became one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. Now that Barry Trotz is gone, we'll see what this team is with Lane Lambert, a, a, a younger coach, but uh, he's t- he has you know, obviously Barry Trott's roots. So it's just, it's different now. It's going to be a different year coming up. And I, I do think Tampa Bay will still be an elite uh, team, but remember this year they started off really, really slow. Yeah, they were
1: a wild card team in the beginning of the year, and still, the, I think their being that their, their vision isn't great too will probably help them. If they were in the Metro, it would be a lot harder for them because of the Islanders' bounce back potential. Because of teams like Carolina and the Rangers still being dominant as they are, and you mentioned fl- the Flyers, they're one of those every other year type teams where they could be good because they're still a they got lot a new coach too. Yeah, so they could be another one with Tortorella if he is able to transform those veteran players again. I want to go back to the Avalanche though for a second. It seemed like they took a lot of what Tampa Bay did, though, mm-hmm. in, order, in route in order for them to be able to build similarly, not in terms of the way they structured their team, because they don't have a goalie like Vasilevsky, but Francois was a good young goalie, and Kemper played very well in the playoffs, and hats off to them for doing that, but mm-hmm. they needed the depth to be able to fill out, and Tampa always had that, but it was very streaky. When 2015, when they played against the Rangers in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, they had their own version of the kid line at the time, which was Palat and Tyler Johnson and Kalorin, And the Avalanche really didn't have that kind of thing outside of their top six. And they got it instead with veterans. Nechuskin, Arturi Lekinen that played really well. And they saw that you need some level of depth in order to do that. And they built up the defense the same way. Josh Manson uh, was a, a guy that was always good in Anaheim for a while, but never was this good. He played really well in the playoffs. And then Devontae, so they traded for from the Islanders too. So they really did a great job filling out the rest of the roster with not only Veteran guys with a little bit of experience, but they're not like super old either. Mm-hmm. So they could definitely make it back again. The way they've built this team, there's not a lot of like super old guys like the like the Lightning have that you could say, all right, you got to replace this guy in a year. And that's why I think if in the off season the Lightning have to look
3: at the players that they have, and if they can get a significant amount back from a, a veteran player, I'm not telling you to trade Victor Hedman. Okay, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But uh, you have Steven Stamkos there who had a very good year. I know he's their, he's their captain, he's their guy, but you can get a significant amount back for Steven Stamkos. He had a great season this year. Yeah, over 100 points. So uh, he was one of the elite players in the league. And being that he's 31, going to be 32 next year. I think I think you have to look at the trade market in the off season and say, what could we get for Steven Stamkos? You still have Kucherov there, who's going to be thirty years old. He's still, if he could stay healthy, he still has a two or three more elite years, maybe more than that. Um, I, I just think that they right now, while they they have hot players and players that they can move from and move around. They should definitely look to move one of their star players to get a significant about, a back for, for young players, which they're lacking over the last couple of years.
1: Now, they do have to avoid making the same mistakes that the Blackhawks made after their three cups and the Penguins have made the last, after their back to back Stanley Cups, where they're now in cap hell now too, and probably going to lose Evgeny Malkin in the offseason. So, so far they're on a better trajectory and than Letang. that. And Latang. There are rumors that they, it seems like they're going to bring back Latang, but at what price, we'll see. Nevertheless, They've they've done well so far and not getting into that kind of trap at the moment. Now, there was that whole controversy last year with the way they were able to fake maneuver the cap and all that with not having Kucherov on the roster in the regular season. So maybe they found that loophole, and we were talking about how the NHL should probably change that rule. Mm-hmm. But still... Bringing in Hagel now did work this year. Well, yeah, bringing in Hagel now while well, he's still kind of controllable at the moment, and Nick Paul, the same kind of thing too, and also their defensemen too. They gave a lot back. They gave a lot away uh,
3: to the Detroit Red Wings for um, for Hagel. Uh, Blackhawks. But yeah. I'm
1: sorry, the Blackhawks. Yeah. Yeah. But nevertheless, like a lot of their young defensemen, too, aren't getting paid right now, right away, either. Where it seemed like they were over... Uh, other teams, like the Blackhawks and the Penguins, were overreacting to try to keep that core together. Tampa seems pretty flexible where I don't know if they're necessarily going to make that same mistake. Is it going to work? Probably. Again, it's going to be hard to tell because the NHL playoffs is never guaranteed. It's the most parity of any playoff just because anything can happen. But... I think so far they're at least on a better trajectory than those two teams were in terms of trying to manage the cap a little better, where I don't know if they have to rely on those big core veterans and then just try to be able to patch everything together like the Penguins have definitely been doing the last three years and the Blackhawks have been doing where they haven't even made the playoffs since 2017. Uh, Before we go, I I do want to mention something about the Yankees
3: and the Mets because I know a lot of Yankee fans – are uh, you know back and forth? They had an interesting uh, weekend. They got no hit. I think it was on Saturday. They got no
1: hit on Saturday. Then they were no hit for the first like five and a third innings on Sunday.
3: Yeah, so. and everybody, no team's ever been no hit back to back years. No, back to back games in in and ever in NF ever ever in major league history. And the Yankees were very close to doing that in at home against the Houston Astros, who had a very good weekend until. uh Sunday's game when the Yankees came back from five and a half innings, and uh, Aaron Judge hit a bomb that wins them the game, the three run home run. So uh, the Yankees right now are, I think they're 54 and 20 or something like that. They're, they won tonight 55 and 20 or 21 or something like that. The, the Yankees are the best team in baseball. And as far as the Mets are concerned, this is alarming to hear about Max Scherzer steps, uh, taking setbacks and, and set back, uh and, and Tyler McGill. This is this is something that the Mets, and I told you, Mets fans, when they went after Max Scherzer, an older player. I know Max has never been hurt like this. I know Max uh, has always taken care of his body. But when you're a 38-year-old pitcher, you're not the same pitcher you were when you were 30 or 28 or 27 when you were in Detroit. So is this alarming for the Mets? Yes, it is. Max Scherzer not coming back, and he's set back. I yes, I I do believe Max Schurz will be back and he'll be at a hundred percent, but for how long? And if that if that old if that oblique gets hurt again, and we've seen this Noah Syndergaard right year after year after year, three years in a row, Noah Syndergaard had the same oblique problem. When you have an injury of this magnitude, when you're using to torque of your hips and, and and your upper body strength. That is alarming, Speedy, and I don't, I don't want to hear from the Mets fans that when he comes back, he's going to be 100%. I think you should be excited that Jacob DeGrom's coming back and you
1: haven't heard anything bad about him. So far, so good with Jacob DeGrom. I still worry just he hasn't pitched in a year if the Mets will be able to manage him, right? But this regime so far has been better with the managing injuries in terms of Scherzer. Yeah, his rehab start was supposed to be tonight, actually. But now he'll he, – he was set back to tomorrow. He had to travel to A Binghamton and playing a game at Hartford. So we'll see if the – we'll see how much that affects him. And hopefully maybe they work with him well in terms of easing him back with that kind of oblique injury too because – Scherzer's not somebody that has to rely on his velocity, but does throw a hard fastball and definitely throws one of the harder curveballs in the league, too. So that's something to keep an eye on for both the minor league and for the Mets' end when he does eventually come back in a couple weeks. We'll see. In terms of McGill, he was just transferred to the 60-day IL, so now they're going to have to really – Work on those young pitchers to get some depth going. Maybe throw in some openers here and there. We haven't seen Buck Showalter do that yet this year, but it they might have to do it at this point because David Peterson's had some good stretches, but nothing nothing consistent whatsoever, and they haven't gotten anything else from the back end of those fringe hybrids. That's what I was saying on the weekend crunch too. I'm hoping that the Mets maybe get some just some depth guys that could pitch in both bullpen and starting-type roles and maybe get some depth just to weather the storm for the time being, not necessarily the big flashy pitchers like we've heard them go after with Luis Castillo and now Lucas Giolito as well as another thing that's being brought up as well from the White Sox, who hasn't had a great year but still has good stuff. I'd rather the Mets go after more quantity and get the depth because they have the hitting depth. They could afford to maybe trade a bat or two to maybe make the trade work, but the pitching depth is right now what they don't have, especially now if McGill goes to 60-day, that's a big problem.
3: Well, uh, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We will be back on Thursday. We have, uh, who do we have on?
1: Right now, only one guest known at the moment. Right now, former Raiders wide receiver and kick returner Jacoby Ford will be joining us. Oh, okay.
3: So So Jacoby Ford will be joining us on Thursday. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into a lot of different things that are going to happen in the next 24 to 48 hours. So uh, we're definitely going to entertain you guys on Thursday. Thank you to Tyrell Briggs for joining us, Dylan Ferguson, Jeff for calling us, uh, Mark Everett Kelly for joining us and telling us a little bit about his his research on Jackie Robinson. It was a great show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Thank you uh, for listening to us. We'll be back next Thursday. Well, next Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday. So stay tuned for that uh, when we come back here on the Sports Loudmouth. Until then, this is Zero Marks and Speedy PD saying goodnight. We'll talk to you then.
0: Yo you're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network.